Hi everyone, Matt here. Remember, this is part two of episode 17, so if you've not checked out that first part, go do that now. On this one, we're picking off where we left off in the first part, which is in the AUX codex, starting with the units, and hope you enjoy. But with that, shall we jump into the units? Yeah, let's let's get stuck in. Let's start with war bosses. Let's start with the yeah. top. So, <clears throat> obviously, this is the largest and most powerful orc in the tribe. It has the best mm. war gear, experience, even taller than other orcs. And obviously, oh. keeps this position due to that size and obviously the brutality that comes with it. Uh, mm. As you can imagine, war bosses oh, yeah. are destined for the battlefield uh, and they and this is where they properly lose it like i said they're, they're in their element when they're on the battlefield they're the epitome of an orc uh, oh, some yeah. become like i said become end up becoming warlords uh, which end up with other armies joining them often by te- being terrifying in battle or betting uh, <laughs> you know betting between those lesser orcs or sort of beating them up and things like that mm. um they shout a lot. <laughs> they beat a lot. <laughs> they use cunning tactics in some cases, but you know. But let's be honest: intelligence is not a compulsory uh, thing of a, a requirement of a war of a war boss. Uh, they often come into battle on a huge battle wagon, you know, to make their presence known. A lot of daca, a lot of noise, and obviously claiming the best gear that the battlefield mm-hmm. has to offer. Yeah, obviously, if war bosses need to give authority they have or what they use a what they call a, a court of war banners and they have the, their knob followers around and they end up berating their lackeys in in a very you know <laughs> a very uh, dismissive way uh, and obviously a key thing of being a war boss is having your trophies this is how war bosses oh, yeah. are judged you know plus a weapon as well uh, mm. nothing better than having a you know a, a beaky helmet a space marine helmet especially with their shiny colors or, mm. or even the heads of other orcs that they've had to take out. Uh, basically, you know, yeah. war boss needs to, you know, clues in the title, need to show who's boss. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, so we, do you want to talk about knobs and their bigger versions? Yeah, yeah. So, well, right under a war boss are his right-hand orcs, the knobs. They're sort of the ruling case. They're called knobs. Um, not because they're mean about or anything. It's short for nobles, obviously. Yes. Um, <laughs> Get out of your mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, their, their position isn't determined by birth or sparkly heirlooms, but by sheer size and belligerence. Uh, they delight in using their scarred fists and their ironclad boots to remind lesser greenskins of the fact that they're the boss. Well, not the boss, <laughs> boss, obviously, boss. I'm, I'm just an <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, They usually form a bodyguard for the local war boss, and if the war boss gets killed, the biggest knob just sort of steps in and takes over immediately, uh, although he might have to kick some heads in uh, to re- sort of ensure that. But some knobs prefer the company of lesser orcs and hang around leading boys that they can just boss around with impunity. Uh, they're incredibly arrogant and revel in cruel and casual violence. Uh, normally they just give some, uh, whoever annoys them a hefty whack on the head with a blunt instrument. But if it's a serious crime, like forgetting to bring the knob his breakfast or forgetting to reload his prize shooter, he'll just, he'll just kill you. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Um, so you can tell knobs apart from regular boys because of their sheer body mass, but also 
Decent armor and weapons are a sign of high status. No ordinary orc gets to keep better war gear than his knobs, and will quickly have such things confiscated. They have all kinds of killy stuff. They've got powerful combi weapons and custom shooters. They've got chain-bladed choppers or hydraulic power claws for melee weapons. But the knobbiest of knobs... Eh, knobby knobs from Discworld, favorite character. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> but the knobbiest of knobs get to be mega knobs. Uh, they effectively have this massive custom suit of clanking armor. They're the, they're the Terminators of the Orc world. Uh, they don't get their involved saves, poor, poor buggers. Um, <clears throat> uh, but their the, the Mega Knob suits are built for strength rather than for defense, really. It's, it's more of an exoskeleton power suit than particularly armor. Uh, each suit is individually tailored by a tribe's mech, who makes a great fuss of taking all the measurements before just hammering together whatever he can find. But it always seems to fit anyway, so, you know, it works. Um, it's usually decked out with some power claws, a favorite shooter, or, very popularly, a pair of roaring kill saws, which is just a buzzsaw. <laughs> Basi- buzzsaw gauntlet, basically. <laughs> um, Mega Armor is sort of this ultimate in status symbols. Um, they're the elite of the elites. Uh, you know, the other knobs might mock them for going into battle with so much protective war gear. Oh, you're worried about, right? <laughs> but you can't do it. Can't do it with an earshot because they'll mess you up right easily. Um, they form these big mobs. Each of them weighs at least a ton because the Imperium makes things efficiently, and orcs just make things. Um, yeah. Now the problem with weighing almost a ton is if you fall over, it's quite difficult to get back up. So it's not uncommon to see a bunch of mega knobs trying to pull another one up off the ground after getting hit by an enemy tank. Um, but he'll be fine. Because he's in mega armor and he's an orc. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, if he's not fine though and he needs to go see the doctor, can you tell me about a pain boy? Um, these are doctors I, I wouldn't recommend, but no. we have to cover them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, pain boys—they're known as docs. They're orcs that are basically obsessed with surgery and dentistry. And ironically, dentistry <laughs> is usually the, the 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 first way that they have to pay for the the second basically so mm. take the teeth mm. out pay for the surgery happy days uh, but then to be fair when you're strapped down and fully exposed in front of a a pain boy you can't really argue about the uh, situation <laughs> um so pain boys are basically a combination of of what's known as orky wh- no what's uh, mm. instinct and a combination of trial and error basically experimenting <laughs> uh, when they can just like mechs i the, you know in some ways that pain boys are the mechs of the green skin body or uh, physique uh, you know basically if they can repair or improve on things in their own way mm. um, some orcs will you know will for example go for a limb replacement and end up with some weird invention uh, instead you know such as a a rut got mark ii exploding leg uh, which is often funny, especially when they went in because they needed a new arm and they've come out with a new explo- <laughs> with an exploding leg, um, <laughs> which is great. Um, sometimes they end up working with mechs to make what's known as uh, cyborgs, which are like, as you can imagine, a, a orc machine combo, uh, mm-hmm. very unstable mm-hmm. and using the bionics that have been built by the mechs. Uh, damaged limbs are often replaced with things like blades and tracks, mm-hmm. and sometimes nice. they end up being more machine than orc. <laughs> oh, uh, wow. 
symmetrical which is quite yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> that's a debate for another time uh, <laughs> so in the middle of a of a ward with all the the wounded around they properly come into their own this is their their you mm. know what they they dream of a battlefield of experiments and and often they follow rich orcs own you know because basically sometimes they're the only ones that can afford their pain boys mm. uh, surgery so they you know again yeah. they're not stupid or not fully stupid anyway just a bit crazy um <laughs> even though they're even though they're doc you know basically medics are happy to get stuck into melee combat you know they've got their saws their mm. scalpels and and obviously they use their body knowledge to their their advantage you know take you know often mm. go get you know go for the squishy bits of their enemies you know sometimes they'll be seen injecting fungal serums into their mm. enemies to make their blood <laughs> congeal with spores and other yeah. gruesome things like that uh, but when on the battlefield, it begs the question, do they know the sanctity of life, really? No, no. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, they're not, they're not, they're not right in the head. Uh, they don't use any anesthetic. They use oversized surgical equipment to do their experiments and surgery. Mm. Uh, and, and just to cap, tap it, you know, cap it off, they grin as they do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, this weird behavior does get overlooked, especially when a particular war boss has just got a shiny mm. new bionic arm or leg or something like that you know they can get on with their Hmm. crazy stuff um you do have sort of even crazier virgin uh, versions that are known as uh, bad docs which are basically Mm. tribal outcasts and and generally part of a freebooter warband i mean the warband is happy to take them on on because you know whatever your pass is don't worry about it we'll we'll have you on yeah. board and they yeah, do fine. the weird weird let's be honest they do weird shit to the, <laughs> to, to the orcs basically um you know we're talking extra heads and even the infamous squig brain transplant is uh, is you know within their remit as well and uh, oh. guess what you don't even need to pay for it to be done they're that no, they're that bad no. they'll switch your brain out for a squig for free <laughs> so God. i've covered so uh let's move on to the uh you know when you need a tinkering with your machines yeah it's the mechaniacs or mechs for short which that's such a good long version so much better than mechanic <laughs> um yeah yeah so so your mech boy is a jovially jovially imprecise craftsman he's content to weld rivet and hammer away hammer away at any amount of scrap until he's sort of patched together a chassis or a gun barrel or bionic leg um because of this orc technology develops in kind of this ramshackle exploratory fashion and you know inspiration is really what makes the mech shine their, their, their creations is just as deadly as things made by the eldar or the tau uh, but mechs are really an essential part of any warband. Without them, the vehicles don't work, spacecraft don't work, your, you know, your various shooters, your various choppers, they start falling apart. Um, mobs of burner boys and, and looters usually have mech boys known as spanners, uh, keeping their weapons working and getting any scrap that they make. Uh, warbosses and mobs who want a new wagon or a new weapon go directly to a mech to commission him. And mechs love to take to the battlefield armed with a favorite invention. It could be an improbably complicated gun, like a custom mega slugger or a howling kill saw, anything like that. Some mechs, however, they're not just mechs, they're big mechs. Um, they, these are mechs with enough power that they have sort of this visionary following of acolytes, treadheads, and other mechs. Um, they are the real masters of orc technology. A lot of them love to wear mega armor. Uh, and have weird, wonderful weapons and force field technology. Uh, they can have force field generators. They could make a teleport blaster that beam parts of their victims all over the battlefield. Um, <laughs> but the most infamous big mech weapon is the shock attack gun. 
which is a gun that essentially opens two holes in the fabric of reality, one right in front of the mech and one somewhere inside his target, hopefully if he's aiming properly. Uh, you don't, they don't use this to, you know, revolutionize warp travel or anything. No, they suck snotlings into the hole, shoot them through in, and sort of glitch, <laughs> clip them inside their targets. Um, you know, so the tunnel's entrance is created in front of the big mech. Uh, and gleefully squealing swarms of of specially accumulated snotlings dash into the portal, expecting shiny rewards and food. But by the time they realize their mistakes, they're scampering through a nightmarish passage lined with leering demons, like pressing on the walls of the passage trying to get in, that drive them mad with terror. And the exit hole sort of ends up with this avalanche of screaming, clawing, and def- defecating snotlings uh, emerging inside whatever the exit hole is placed within. Uh, they obstruct vehicle workings, jump up. Uh, gum up jet engines and trigger catastrophic meltdowns and plasma reactors and countless other hideous and to the mech hilarious consequences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what about weird boys? Let's get some psychers in this. Yeah, the psychers of the orc race. Um, they're often the focal, like the focus point of all this, you know, sublimal energy that's generated by orcs. They just naturally do it. Um, mm. And basically, the more orcs they are the better and the more powerful this uh, mm-hmm. this energy that slowly builds up uh obviously with weird boys they struggle to contain it um mm-hmm. you know it can be even something such as a, a two orc squig eating competition can cause an issue <laughs> um <laughs> lights around you know this the uh, weird boys head you know sparks from their eyes power dribbling from their mouth uh, unless they can release it in some sort of way uh, their head will explode and unfortunately so so will the uh, nearby orcs as well but as they mature, weird boys, you know, basically learn to be able to convert mm. this sort of build up of energy and turn it into sort of powerful channeled blasts. Um, it's obviously, it's dangerous for anyone that's nearby. So what often happens with mm. weird boys is they end up living elsewhere to the rest of the tribe. So they basically end up being sort of outcasts within the tribe they're in. Uh, only they can move around with <laughs> with warning bells oh. and and a gang <laughs> of, of like the oldest orcs around. So they're walking around with like little little chimes and and bells and stuff. And they've got like said, a oh, weird man. little entourage as well. <laughs> it's, it's great. Mm. Um, when a war band basically goes into battle, you know, obviously with the chanting. And and the feet stamping, the war cries. Obviously, this this goes through. This is you know, it makes the weird boys go crazy. And basically, mm. if it when it comes too too much, they end up basically going into a trance. Uh, and then basically, when this you know, when at the peak of this power, it's unleashed after collecting sort of all this energy through their copper staff and things like that. They basically unleash these green blasts of wire energy uh, towards their en- enemies, ripping them apart. Um, or they can use the energy to. You know, hype up fellow orcs that are nearby mm. basically mm. um they can also transport orcs across a battlefield in a split second or or unleash the roar of mork so you know they've got quite a few skills under mm. under their belt mm. um i touched upon them when we we're talking about gaskill but you got um the more extreme version which is called warp heads uh warp heads yeah, are basically yeah. more experienced weird boys who are basically saturated in in psychic energy and basically they unleash their energy and get stuck into the enemy with basically little care and a massive supreme confidence they don't really care what they're mm. doing um i mean due to this sort of that we've spoken about this natural orc obsessive you know trait of being obsessed with things warp heads try to experience the wire energy like literally as much as possible with you know with uh, with other orcs following them basically for the entertainment uh i.e the risk is worth it you know because obviously they could end up getting killed in the in in the blast of energy but you know if it means that space marines are getting stomped and other races are getting melted to goo and stuff like that 
they're happy to mm. watch and and potentially yeah. <laughs> get killed in the in the process <laughs> uh i mean war, war bosses will often keep a couple around if necessary because you know because certain fights require it or especially if they're going against a very psychic heavy enemy such as like the eldari or as they say in case they get up to some funny stuff <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I mean, other leaders, especially like snake bite leaders, use their <laughs> this is great use their rants as tactical advice because obviously from their <laughs> perspective, it's the it's the word of Gork and Mork. So uh, snake bites, yeah, will take them <laughs> and say their word as gospel, basically, which is great. Um, let's talk about the or Cameron talk about the you know the main orc of the orcs. Let's talk about the boys, yeah. the orcs orc, the boy. Um, yeah, so a boy is a sort of boys, I should say, are the rank and file of the orcs, with rank being the operative word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that. yeah. Uh, they love to travel into battle on these big, unruly mobs, usually led by a knob who epitomizes their life skills, breaking skulls, kicking in teeth, <coughs> blowing things up for the sake of it, and spraying dacker in all directions while bellowing in a loud, enthusiastic, and semi coherent fashion. <laughs> um, they are these tough, determined infantry that sort of basically fall upon the enemy in a big howling tide the only armor they wear is a few bits of scrap uh a few bits of scrapped flak jacket with maybe a shoulder plate or a back plate to put a clan insignia on they put a lot of pride into their weapons but they're not above using fist claws and teeth uh usually they have a heavy solid shot pistol called a slugger and a brutal edged weapon called a chopper they're usually crude and varied in design but chopper or cut you'll cut a limb off as good as anything else cave a skull in as good as anything else uh, and they make they make a pretty bad mess when a full mob charges in, but they do love crude, noisy weapons and find it difficult to believe a gun can do any real damage if it doesn't make a loud or terrifying noise. Fair um, point. Yep. Uh, again, with addictive personalities, some boys get addicted to the deafening roar of automatic weapons fire and call themselves shooter boys. They form these sort of roving mobs that sort of are always on the lookout for something to shoot, firing off these fusillades of bullets whenever they see something move. Um, each shooter boy loves his sturdily constructed weapon, loves to fire it, but often has more success using it to bash in someone's head. Uh, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> an orc will manage to hang onto a heavy weapon, uh, perhaps a big shooter or a rocket launcher. Uh, and the more boys around, the more, more boys will manage to have one of these. Uh, but some boys love to take to the field wearing big plates of scavenged metal. These odd boys are sort of, basically they look like walking magnets, uh, but it's unwise to point this out. <laughs> <That's offense. laughs> uh, so let's get into some specialists. Uh, yes. Let's hear about the burner boys, man. Let's do it. Right, the lads who like a bit of fire. So um, yes, fire, these are basically fire obsessed orcs that basically turn into what was said known as burner boys. They love flames, burning victims, any excuse mm. they can do it. They'll yeah, burn yeah. them. And, you know, just to complete the look, they end up wearing these welding masks and, and basically carry these quite basic flamethrowers because, you know, don't need to be anything fancy. Um, they, you know, basically a Promethean tank on their back. Um, mm. But obviously they're kept away from hawks with good reason, just in case of a stray bullet, because, you know, don't want to burn, yeah. <laughs> don't want to blow up their, their fellow boys. <laughs> So other walks obviously naturally wary because they have a habit of causing accidents. <laughs> so so what I, what's ended up happening is they use modified nozzles to basically create a blue flame to you know with their flamethrower, which basically means they can slice mm. through like bulkheads and and yeah. uh, tanks and things like that, um, as well as 
obviously burning things they often perform work on war machines with obviously these tools so they're they're supervised by an orc called a spanner uh basically end up collecting scrap to you know obviously then weld together and then have a good drink of fungus beer afterwards to celebrate mm. uh, so so <laughs> spanners wound up following them to war um so basically so they don't end up doing what's called the bernie dance on the <laughs> on their fellow orcs <laughs> um their primary use is basically to like you, you know flush out buildings or or end up doing what they call drive-by burnings so basically they'll, mm. they'll go to the side of a truck or a, a trucker or a battle wagon and just obviously go to the side of something and just flame them um mm. and also they can end up using what they call their can opener blue flames uh, are very effective on space marines as well so um yeah you know a very simple orc you know an orc mm. with a flamethrower the, yeah. one of the worst things you can imagine um (laughs) so um carrying on this theme do you want to talk about Mm. those uh the orcs that like to uh thieve a bit yeah oh you mean the looters yes Yes. uh they are the most heavily armed of all orcs because they steal the best weapons from everyone else um (laughs) nothing's sacred to a lot of looters looters uh even a brief scuffle with the looter over a stolen possession can lead to the previous owner finding that his lunch, his slugger, and his gold teeth have also mysteriously gone missing. <laughs> <laughs> they have a very open minded attitude towards possessions. If another orc is skill is skilled enough to steal from a looter, he won't go looking to get it back, at least not while the thief's still looking. It was stolen fair and square. But in turn he'll also react to claims that he's a thief with an offended innocence. Share and wealth is an honourable and traditional part of, part of orc culture, they say. Other orcs maintain they're a bunch of grasping, unscrupulous swine with no more concept of honor than a baked squig. <laughs> um, you know, they have this constant quest to salvage, steal, and stash anything that they can grab, but that means they're pretty well off by orcish standards. They can trade shinies for progressively more powerful guns and sort of basically form the center of this arms trade that connects mechs, spanners, and looters, and various other specialist boys. Uh, they use a lot of bribery and coercion to get mechs to build them shoulder-mounted weapons known as death guns. Uh, each being a fine example cobbled together from every bit of heavy weaponry the looter can get his hands on. Uh, a series of adjustments are wager- major in construction, ranging from adding viewfinders and recoil compensators to cutting the weapon to pieces and rebuilding it from scrap. Uh, and usually a spanner will accompany them just to make sure the gun doesn't fall apart halfway through the fight. <laughs> um, exactly how it works is always a bit of a lottery, but two things are always certain. It will deafen the owner and will kill anything in the crosshairs. <laughs> uh, basically, whenever they cut loose, there's this pyrotechnic storm of bullets, rockets, and energy blasts that surprise the looters as much as their enemies. Um, you know, everything is basically blown to a, to a pulp. Uh, blown to a pulp. Tanks are sort of ground to a stop under this relentless hail of impacts, and even aircraft can be shot out of the sky just because <laughs> so many shots get fired. Um, uh, speaking of anti-vehicle. Uh, what is what is the most effective, most specialised form of anti-vehicle unit the Orcs have access to, Matt? A particular unit that likes to bust those tanks, otherwise known mm. as tank busters. <clears throat> oh, I so see. Um, well, I don't know, clues in the title, Cameron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so as we know, Orcs become specialists, specialists in things that they love to fixate on, and mm. these particular Orcs like to destroy tanks because why not? Yeah, tanks need destroying. Not? It's the love, I think the main thing that comes from it is the love of killing something bigger than them. You know, like a feral, like a feral orc hunting a squig off. You know, they love the envy of, you know, from their fellow orcs Mm. seeing them do this kill. So taking, you know, even to the point where they take tank parts to wear as armor or trophies, which is really cool. 
Um, so, you know, obviously the main choice is uh, rocket launchers. Is there, like I said, their weapon of choice, which is a combination of range and power. Some love in the shockwaves and some love in the explosions up close. Um, they also use tank hammers, which is basically these big sticks with rockets <laughs> that they use as a hammer, um, which unfortunately has a habit of taking out the tank and the buster at the same time, unfortunately. <laughs> but why, yeah. what a way to go out. Um, you've got bomb bomb squigs, which are obviously these bounding bomber squigs, which are <laughs> a sight to behold. Uh, oh, you've got yeah. tank tank buster bombs, which are basically these heavy magnetic discs that they you know put on vehicles, like sort of similar to a mine. Um, mm. And obviously, then they they but obviously they, what they do is they sort of surround the tank with a mob of these and just all throw it on, uh, which again mm. unfortunately can take some of them out at the same time. And you've got some of these big game hunters, as they're called, uh, where they haven't even taken out a vehicle in their life. You know, they're all they're all show. But then obviously mm. the aspiring ones, you know, hang out with the experienced tank busters. And then after their first kill, they uh, have this great ceremony of what's called getting tanked, where they end up. <laughs> so they so they've they've destroyed the tank. They eat the crew, and then they drink the engine oil of that vehicle that they've just taken out. <laughs> oh, brilliant, <man>. brilliant. <laughs> um, I mean, talking of uh, talking of squigs as well, because they, they obviously have many uses as well. Um, you know, mm. such as eating refuge and plants and other squigs, um, and then obviously the orcs eat the squigs, but. Um, Mech boys have found a use of oil squigs and sponge squigs. Um, pain boys use me- medi squigs. Um, others yeah, include yeah. snackable squigs, parasite eating squigs, bag squigs, squig pipes, <laughs> and even squigos as well. And obviously the, the worst ones, which is the uh, the face biters, which are sort yeah. of similar to uh, to attack dogs. Mm-hmm. But no, they like I said, the the tank busters use them in many different ways as well, as well as others. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cameron, oh. do you want to tell us about some trucks? Yeah, so, orcs love going fast. They, they do. love smashing things, and the best way to go fast and smash things is to ride a really lightweight vehicle, because the lighter it is, the faster it'll go. So, a truck is basically this ramshackle pile of scrap built for speed with almost no armor. A direct hit usually can cause a truck to just basically turn into a burning cartwheel of wreckage. But, because the trucks are so light, it's really easy to jump out when that happens, and it's just as likely that any incoming fire will just sma- smash apart some ablative what's-it that the driver only hammered in place so they could keep an eye on it, <laughs> um, which is great. Uh, but orcs are really haphazardly inventive, so no two trucks ever look the same, but they usually have a large, loud engine and a big flatbed enclosure. They might have a horn skull or a jagged plate attached to the cab. Uh, and usually some rails and runners, so that even if it doesn't have a really big flat ble- flatbed, uh, lots of orc boys can still hang off the sides and ride into battle. Uh, they're usually very customized by clan. Goth vehicles will be greasy and plain, with a lot of crew compartment and a big spiked wrecking ball for crumping enemy tanks. Evil Sun's trucks have turbocharged engines and red train- uh, red paint jobs, whereas snake bites uh, cover their vehicles with totem animal uh, pi- uh, images and sort of lash them together with rope, squig hide, tarp, and, ta- and planks of wood. Um, you know, basically everyone customizes their truck to make it exactly <laughs> right for them. It's got to be just perfect. Uh, a lot of tribes make widespread use of trucks to just ferry orcs into battle. They have these big convoys... Uh, and they build up a lot of momentum. <laughs> it's basically impossible to cause enough damage against them to take out all of the orcs before they reach enemy lines. <laughs> uh, for every truck that comes apart, three more swerve through the maelstrom of fire, crash into combat, and have mob after mob of orcs just jump out of the blazing transport and barrel into combat. 
uh, they are very, very orky vehicles. <laughs> very um, orky. Yeah. But an even orkier vehicle, one could say, would be the battle wagon, don't you agree? Yes, and I would say that the battle wagon encompasses all their tanks and armoured transports, because mm. no two are ever the same, just that use similar mm. patterns. <laughs> so yeah, so the, the battle wagons perform sort of many roles uh, within the orc army, but number one is kill the enemy. So some are mobile fortresses, some are just heavy guns. Uh, I mean, ultimately, they're usually large vehicles owned by rich orcs, uh, especially war bosses, obviously. Uh, sometimes for heavy fighting, <laughs> sometimes for cruising. They see me rolling. Um, then they have, <laughs> they have heavy armor in the front, obviously for ramming, um, in, you know, inspired by you know beasts and uh with a like an appropriate skull totem on the top um, and basically mm-hmm. you know hoping that this will bring out the ferocity in their in their battle wagons being like yeah. the you know the predators that they hunt uh they're built in different ways and for different roles with mech boys giving them sort of funky and obviously aggressive names as well um so some of the more common types is the the gore speeder the gut ripper the wheels of gork uh mainly used by evil sons and goths but is ultimately used by all clans in some sort of uh, fashion mm. uh getting like you know because ultimately getting a large amount of orcs to the front line that's the main main job of them yeah. um yeah. you know and often sometimes they're compared to big armored squigoths for some <laughs> as well uh so you've got uh bone breakers which is a particular subclass a uh, subtype of a of these vehicles called crushers so this includes the the bone crusher, the spleen ripper, and the git git masher. <laughs> I love that name, the git masher. Um, so yeah, so the bone breaker is basically a, harm, a heavily armored vehicle with spot with a basically a big spiked death roller uh, on mm. the front. Uh, using they use sort of sort of spearhead attacks using sort of lobbers and kill cannons. Uh, so when they get close, they end up crushing the enemies and orcs basically unload at the same time. Uh, they mm. do they are prone to breaking down, but have a, a grot rigger on board to help or sometimes just paint it blue or put yeah. some lucky lucky um squig feet onto it oh, uh, yeah. or you know or put some grots into the workings you know whatever keeps oh, the God. beast spirit happy <laughs> uh, you've got, you got uh, gun wagons which basically where they they sort of lose a part of their sort of transport ability um to basically mm. big guns you know because they've only got so much room uh they use sort of wonder weapons uh they sort of keep keep a steady pace basically firing as they go uh the crew using what they call tele gubbins uh for, <laughs> for, for new <laughs> targets um obviously they're prone to a mega explosion because obviously they're carrying a lot of ammunition so one mm. one stray bullet can end up uh turn into basically a big explosion uh but yeah. they sort of see it as a way of taking out their enemies at the same time so win 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 yeah. uh they do end up sort of putting themselves into these sort of battle wagon formations known as blitz brigades um some some of them to name as is gork's green fist uh the kill crusher brigade narmex treads mm. of death is another one uh basically they're con- a concoction from mechs and war bosses basically uh so you've mm. got you know you can imagine they've got orcs howling banners all up um so these are particularly loved by blood axes and the evil sons and even sometimes the freebooters uh they all vary in size uh some include trucks, buggies, death copters, scouting. You've got war biker mobs doing something, doing similar as well. Uh, some include super heavy war machines like uh, a skull hammer or a kill burster, you know, basically causing havoc. So, um, so yeah, they're, they're a nice little mixed uh, bunch there. So, um, shall we uh, go on to the war bikes and the death copters? 
Of course. Again, orcs love going fast. That's why there's so many vehicles. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, a war bike is more than just a vehicle to the orc who owns it. It's a personal steed treated with care. It's not only a sign of great prestige, but it's also a direct connection to the adrenaline-rich thrill of speed. Nothing <laughs> short of dive-bombing in a blitzer-bomber compares with the raw excitement of hurtling towards the enemy on a bike with all your guns blazing. Uh, this is why so many speed freaks and evil sons are war bikers, obviously. Uh, <laughs> it's a single-seater attack bike armed with DACA guns, a bunch of massive rapid-firing armaments that spray these ragged bursts with every pull of the trigger. Uh, fixing such devastating weaponry on a bike has a few problems. Usually if you're firing it, the bike starts bucking wildly out of control, but the Orcs find this exciting, you know? It's a good time. It adds to the appeal. <laughs> Uh, war bikers are so reckless that they'll actually let go of the handlebars when they're near the enemy so they can lay about themselves sluggers, choppers, and improvised weapons. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you can always tell a war biker because they have these specific set to their feature, uh, to their feature, especially after a really good battle. They have their lips drawn back and in this ecstatic toothy grin and bloodshot and unfocused eyes that are opened frighteningly wide. Uh, they seem to shake for an hour or two after leading the saddle because orcs don't understand suspension. Um, <laughs> and even in times of relative peace, war bikers have this odd tendency to just occasionally whoop or cackle as they uh, relive their glorious charges on top of their wonderful steeds. Um, they usually function as outriders and shock troops and have this big pall of exhaust fumes thrown up by their horrendously inefficient engines, <laughs> uh, which give them a little bit of protection from enemy guns. Uh, some war biker tribes use controlled skids to communicate messages with dust clouds or smoke clouds. But the Flaming Skull Tribe took it a step further and can allegedly synchronize the skids so precisely that an enemy aircraft passing overhead sees, spelled out in oily smoke and dust, Zogoth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, I'd be remiss talking about war bikers without, measure, uh, without mentioning Wozdaka Gutsmeck, uh, the, gr- the, the fabled creator of the Bike of the Apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> the greatest orc war biker of all. Uh, he was, the legend says he was accused of cheating when he won the race of Deburn and Wheels, leveled the tribe's entire settlements with his Dacca cannons and roared off in disgust. Again, last orc codex I read, he was a special character in it. He was great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's roamed the stars as a deadly war bike of hire ever since. And it's, it's, you know, morphed from this mercenary crusade into a holy pilgrimage. Speed freaks flocking to his banner every battle and race that he wins. Uh... You know, a lot of speed freaks say that he's the greatest speed boss in the mall. Mm. He's not only phenomenally fighty, spectacularly shooty, and ruinously rich, but he's also by far and away the fastest orc around. Um, many orcs have uh, heard of his legend, and few can say that they've ever actually met him. But knobs and war bosses from the Cold of Speed claim that if an orc travels fast enough, he can spot Wazdaka up ahead, a hurtling figure on the horizon who can be chased all the way to the best fights in the galaxy. <laughs> um, which, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Defcopters are the lunatic inventions of mechs obsessed with flight. Uh, it's a single-seater attack helicopter with rotors just above the pilot's head and a jet booster at the rear, which seems horrendously unsafe. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, orc mechs try to master flight, but only a few of them get anywhere past entertaining disaster. But, you know, eventually some of them get there. 
Every Defcopter is a little different, but they function more or less the same. They are a reconnaissance vehicle. They range mm-hmm. ahead of the warband, find an enemy force, and with a lot of effort, turn around to get reinforcements, um, but then lead some speed freaks right back to the front lines. Uh, and the problem really is the pilots are just reckless. Of course they are. <laughs> of course, course they reckless. are. Uh, but one of their favorite tactics is to fly incredibly low to the ground with the nose of the helicopter lowered so that the rotor wings can be used as a weapon, <laughs> which <laughs> is horrific. <laughs> Again, uh, terrifying, terrifying. Um, but the big advantage with Defcopter over a warbike is it can traverse any terrain. A warbike can get a lot of speed over a rolling plane, but the only limit to a Defcopter's theoretical velocity is the nerve of the pilot. Uh, as, the pilot, as a pilot has to have a few screws loose to even consider climbing in a def copter in the first place, this means they often pass their comrades in this kind of oily blur, pilots howling in glee as they carve a path through the skies before slamming into the enemy. <laughs> yeah, They're pretty nice. dang cool. Um, now, speaking, uh, sticking with the flight theme, let's hear about those fancy new Megatrack scrap jets. I love these. These are my favourite. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, as we know, orc aircraft roam the skies there with their DACA jets mm. and their bombers causing havoc for their enemies and, and sometimes their own armies as well um, but obviously after the battle the mechs and the and often the death skulls will roam for scrap taking away downed aircraft but you know if it's in good condition why not create it into a mega track scrap jet i mean yeah. to be fair you could make another jet out of it but you know you don't question mechs or you're going to be in trouble, <laughs> as in be a future test pilot. So yeah. <laughs> these are particularly loved by speed freaks and downed flyboys. You know, these are basically rocket-propelled vehicles ramming with a huge drill, uh, and it's also cheaper than making a DACA jet, you know, and it basically allows the flyboys mm. to be speeding again. Uh, yeah. They, you know, they perform ground-based strafing runs. They go on with rockets, wing-mounted missiles, uh, grot-tail gunners are basically at the rear firing, you know, turrets etc um and one particular famous uh well i say pilot or famous flyboy is uh is drock de rocket uh who's a famous yep, blood yep. axe uh basically he had these he, ri- he ended up ripping the wings off his jet as he was chasing some Italian rough riders mm. down a canyon but you know <laughs> as he hurtled down that canyon he took a load of them out and yep. when he you know he managed to survive this and basically when drock you know, got out of this situation. He spent all his money on making a mega track scrap jet. So he went from being a famous flyboy to being down on the ground. Well, see, don't say that orcs don't change. <laughs> right. I can, what's that? I can hear some boom daka. Boom daka daka. Yeah. Um, so yet another one of those new buggies. This is the fancy one with the little Mad Max grot on the front. Um, who I love, <laughs> love the little Mad Max grot. Um, yeah, basically the these are vehicles heralded by the roar of overcharged engines and the crackle of flames. Uh, it's a looted vehicle chassis with a bunch of armor sort of hastily welded on top, and the sc- and the drivers in particular drive hell for leather. They do not understand the concept of a brake pedal because if they know they stop, they're going to get hit by an artillery shell and destroyed. <laughs> um. They love to race each other at the front lines. They coax as much speed as possible out while the crew hangs on for dear life, uh, ready to unleash <laughs> the weaponry on the foe. Uh, they have a single primary armament, which is called the Mech Special, which is effectively an enormous Gatling gun. <laughs> uh, which, you know, 
you know, the grinning lunatic on top just lays down this constant hail of projectiles uh, in front of it as it as it uh, sort of speeds forwards. But that's not the most feared weapon of the Boom Decker Snazwagon. There's a reason this vehicle is most popular with Burner Boys. Um, and that is because it's basically filled to the brim with Molotovs. Is the <laughs> closest comparison. Or Burner Bottles, as the Orcs call them. Uh, it's a it's a glass bottle or a clay pot filled with squig oil, filtered promethine, or anything else that the orcs reckon should catch fire pretty well. Uh, gangs of <laughs> burner boys cling onto the edge as it, as it speeds through the enemy lines, lighting up their bottles and chucking them down as hard as they can. Uh, the resulting inferno is a bit dangerous to the vehicle, but the drive-by scorching is horrific in terms of casualties and how it affects enemy morale. It's worth more than a couple of exploding buggies. <laughs> even if it wasn't, the crew's having too much fun to even bother. Damn um, right. Yeah, and sort of the exemplary um, Boom Decker Snazwagon is piloted by the mech boy Big Pyro. Uh, <laughs> he's in this never-ending quest to attain uh, pole position in his mechanized warbands advanced. And, you know, he's infamous for his crew's willingness to set everything around them and themselves on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Um, all right, let's keep let's keep the wagons going. Tell Damn me about right. the custom booster blaster. Yes, I mean they. I suppose summarize what you see in a speed freak. They're fast, mm. heavily armed, and enjoy setting things on fire by overtaking people. Um, <laughs> some, you know, basically, some mechs get obsessed and build them themselves uh, directly mm. into the the chassis. Um, you know, and end up basically turn being turn themselves into a cyborg with war buggy legs, oh, basically, wow. which is uh, quite <laughs> weird. But uh, yeah. you can see them doing it. So basically, the main we- weapon of the uh, the booster blaster is a turret mounted rivet gun, which fires these heated rivets, which are the size of a man's forearm. Uh, and it's basically, it's it's, it's it's a typical thing of of weight over accuracy. <laughs> so yeah. you know, just yeah. bombard. Uh, and also the these particular vehicles also have a point blank range trick as well, um, mm-hmm. which they where they basically chant "burn them up, burn them up." And they pull up this fire lever, and flames come out the side exhaust, creating a trail known as the Burning Highway. um as you'd imagine they're mainly used by the evil sons uh which you know sums them up as well uh sending them in and then they send in the war bikers afterwards um there's a particular famous one called lockjaw who's from a place called uh scalix six who's a former crewman of a a great gargant who basically was taken out by warlord titan flinging him through the air and because of this thrill of being flung through the air he's now wired himself into a booster blaster (laughs) (laughs) i mean fair enough enough. (laughs) i like these new characters they've made up for each of the new (laughs) (laughs) random aren't they (laughs) yeah right Um, are we in for a shock now Oh, we're in for a shock and a jump. Uh, it's the yeah. shock jump drag star, the other Speed yeah. Freaks uh, boxed game wagon. Uh, so it combines two parts of of any mech's most prized triumphs. Recklessly fast speedsters and deranged weaponry. Uh, <laughs> it is the most popular among the mech boys of the Cult of Speed. Uh, it's, it's an armoured fighting vehicle built to withstand high-speed crashes and incoming fire and has a frankly suicidal capacity for acceleration in a straight line. Um, it also carries rocket launchers with plenty of anti-armor punch and axle saws to scythe the legs out of enemy infantry. But what is really terrifying about this vehicle is that it incorporates shock attack technology. Uh, <laughs> you remember the shock attack gun from just a few minutes ago. Uh, basically, 
there's a shock rifle. So instead of opening a full portal and sending snotlings through, this this uh this opens tiny little warp rifts inside anything it manages to hit. They've wired targeting squigs and grots into it to make sure it's very accurate. Uh, <laughs> but that's not as far as the shock attack technology goes because. The shock rifle is powered by a full shock attack generator assembly. <laughs> nice. uh, basically, if the vehicle goes fast enough, it punches a hole in reality and teleports through the warp out the other <laughs> side. <laughs> and a lot of in- seemingly impenetrable fortresses have fallen thanks to a bunch of these vehicles basically popping out of thin air within the walls. Um, they win races and they fatally surprise friend and foe alike, which makes them incredibly, incredibly popular. And, sure, repeated use of the shocker tends to send the driver a little odd, but <laughs> speed freaks aren't that stable to start with, so it's fine. True. Yeah, uh, and the little character associated with this is Boss Shock, a bad moon's orc. Uh, he's a maniac with a mission. Uh, he's inspired by Wozdaka Gutsmeck and seeks not only to catch up with him, but to leap ahead of him and thus win Wozdaka's speed war. So he's constantly constantly racing against friend and foe alike to achieve this and rarely leaves the seat except for when maintenance needs performing or a grot oiler needs strangling. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's great. Um, <laughs> but what's a boss to do when he wants to go fast? Tell me about Death Killer War Tracks. Yes, I shall. Um, Speed Freaks go into battle with the fastest and killiest of all orcs around, as you can imagine. Some using a, you know, a battle wagon or a truck, but some crazy speed bosses use what's called the death killer war trike so they let's be honest they provide little protection why hide when you can just get stuck in so basically it's a combination of a speed boss and a driver riding into enemy fire to you know show how tough they really are uh, so the crew use big boomsticks which are used at point point bank range uh, ripping things in half and and obviously hyping up other things or sorry other orcs with the dacker uh, the main danger is the huge speed boss on board himself um, i mean they're bad enough already before they've even got onto the war trike but even worse when they're riding a vehicle with a huge jet engine <laughs> that's fast and also got scythe wheels <laughs> so war trikes will aim for the biggest hardest enemies they can find uh, so they can get the war bus uh, sorry the speed boss uh, get stuck in, headbutting, throwing enemies, clotheslining them, clubbing them, sometimes even getting off to, to fight and then back on again. Um, <laughs> so so the trike doesn't slow down. The speed boss is armed with a particular weapon, which is called a snagger claw, which is basically a, pa- a normal power claw with a barbed grapnel attached to a cannon and a heavy chain okay. iron. Um, <laughs> iron chain. And can harpoon enemies or reel them in for a kick in. Um, and then sometimes, if they're being really nasty, they can harpoon and then forget to reel them back in and obviously just get dragged <laughs> along for the ride uh i mean basically war trikes are particularly popular with the goths because a they can get stuck in and obviously the evil mm. sons b because they go faster <laughs> oh, yeah. so oh, really yeah. cool indeed mm. um let, do you want to talk about one of the more interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah is is that is that green sleeves i hear playing is it the ice cream truck no <laughs> no it's the rocket truck squeak buggy um <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, so this is a vehicle that began life in a very humble way. It's just a few enterprising snake bites getting together to feed the boys on the move. You know, they they had these mobile pens full of edible squigs, and sort of as crews of other vehicles tossed teeth over for payment, they'd fire squigs back for food. Um, one day, however, a rabbit attack squig was stuffed in the squig launcher instead of the food squigs, uh, fired into a luckless orc's face, and everyone went, oh... 
Yes, actually. <laughs> um, nowadays, they roar to get to the front lines first. Uh, they're these big, rugged, sort of four-wheeled uh, jeeps, effectively, with a, with a regular squig launcher and an Evy squig launcher. Uh, this, the regular squig launcher is tossed from crew member to crew member to deliver the perfect squig to the middle of an enemy squad, bunker or transport as they ride by, but the heavy squig launcher is bolted on and operated by a gunner. Um, they fire, <laughs> snakebite crews fire anything from buzzer squig pots, so basically bees in a jar, and bellow-lunged screech squigs, to the truly revolting and panic-inducing bowel torrent squig. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't Ooh, even great. want to know. Yeah, um, <laughs> your, your common ammunition are bitey squigs, bile squigs, and boom squigs. A bitey squig is any squig with enough jaws, claws, and stingers to savage anything in its way. Uh, they basically latch onto anything they hit and don't stop chewing until they're bludgeoned, stomped, or shot to death. <laughs> a, a bile squig is any breed the crew can get hold of that squirts, sprays, or vomits harmful fluids. Uh, basically, launched out by the handful, they thrash around, jetting acid, lubricant, poison, and flammable bioslop everywhere. Uh, foes get drenched in slime, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of hilarity as they slip, skid, scream in pain, burst into flames, dissolve, various other things. Um, but the boom squig is infamous for its defense mechanism as vi- of violently exploding at the slightest provocation to, quote, warn off predators. Uh, typically is triggered by direct physical contact or surprising loud noises, sometimes even by its own bouts of indigestion. Boom squigs detonate with such force that they kill or maim anything unlucky enough to be in the vicinity. Needless to say, they make excellent ammunition, but can also be dropped as living landmines and are favorite props <laughs> for orc pranks. Nothing is nothing provides greater amusement among a rucker truck crew than hiding a boom squig under the driver's seat. Although it can be a bit inconvenient if it does trigger while the buggy's in motion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. All right, get it, give it to me. I want to go even faster. Tell me about the flyboys. Yeah. Let's go up back to the air. Let's start with the Dacker Jets. So these are armed with wing-mounted super shooters, capable of quick turns in dogfighting. Uh, it's in combination, obviously, with some crazy orc piloting. That's actually probably even mm-hmm. the more important. Uh, it's all about quantity over quality. Every gun possible is strapped mm-hmm. to the fuselage. Mm-hmm. More Dacker for the enemy, even to the point where they will end up knocking out their own windscreen with their own gun <laughs> <laughs> to, to provide more Dacker, which unfortunately it's not ideal when you're doing void warfare no. <laughs> <laughs> so like i said they're a combination of like a of a dog fighter and an air to ground vehicle mainly because due to the pilots attacking everything that they come across mm. uh destroying and panicking enemies uh they use kamikaze type techniques which is known as the flying headbutt uh which is basically hurting <laughs> hurtling towards the enemy shouting wah even you know even possible to take off the head of a titan if uh, if possible uh another vehicle is the uh, the blitzer bombers um as pay payload calculations are obviously very boring uh these mm. pilots prefer point blank bombing which basically involves nose diving, a grot pulling a lever at the last minute, uh, the pilot hopefully <laughs> hopefully pulling back, uh, and then uh, to the point, and then obviously unloading the payload. Um, it's got to the point where grots have to be literally nailed in to the to the uh, to the bomber so they don't bail before the battle <laughs> starts. But they see it; it's worth the risk because can you know bombs can take out buildings, tanks, and troops, etc. Mm. Um, another one you've got is the burner bomber, which is the 
the orc combination of speed, fire, and killing. Uh, basically, it carries as many incendiary bombs and rockets as as it can. Uh, it streaks across the battlefield. Uh, obviously, this is piloted by burner boys, uh, laughing mm-hmm. as they basically torch up their enemies. Uh, sometimes they'll even carry scorcher missiles, which are these basically these fire and forget missiles that cause sort of pyrotechnic showers and can end up cooking enemies in their buildings and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you've also got the uh, Waz bomb blaster jets which are basically custom-made death machines with, like, force fields and heavy armor and crazy weapons. These are basically dreamt up by mech boy pilots, as you'd imagine, uh, wanting to have some fun. Um, they see it as a competition, which pilot can blow, blow up the most with their inventions and, you know, the most mm. fun way they can do it possible. And obviously it's win-win because every kill they do, that's more scrap at the end of the fight to start all yeah, over exactly. again. <laughs> so they're armed with things like custom mega cannons, uh, which turn enemies to atoms you've got smasher guns which you know and also things that 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 sort of squash them into localized force fields um some of them even have uh, those teleporter mega blasters which like i said can blast enemies into the air into solid objects or even fully apart if they so wish Mm. so um yeah those those (laughs) machine those boys and their flying machines so yeah yeah (laughs) talk about some mech guns please cameron yes so no self-respecting orc would ever admit it, but there is strategic value to supporting a close-quarters assault with heavy-ranged firepower, obviously. Obviously. Um, but it's not a job for orcs, so you get the grots to do it. Um, <laughs> effectively, they're these ramshackled uh, mobile guns that tend to be dragged onto the battlefield behind a speeding wagon before being cut loose and left for the grots to sort out. Uh, the Gretchen crew don't actually really know what any of the guns will do until they pull the lever, however, um, which is uh, a bit concerning because sometimes they do backfire. <laughs> uh, run <laughs> herds can use the threat of serving the mech gun battery to instill discipline in regular Gretchen. Uh, rebellious and lazy, gr- lazy runs get sent to shoot the guns. Uh, any grot that survives long enough soon becomes deafened and has to resort to a remud- rudimentary system of sign language. Which is rarely successful, as there are only so many signs a grot can carry around. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's all kinds of utterly bonkers nonsense that orcs have used over the centuries, from shockwave projecting pulsar rockets and chain and shell firing hop splat guns to the crude but effective squig catapult. But several are seen again and again. Custom mega cannons are these bulky energy weapons powered by crackling batteries and whirly gubbins that charge until the needle dances in the red and then just lets loose this beam of energy. Um, there's the bubble chucker, Squishy Pyro mentioned, which essentially makes a cluster of energized spheres of various size and solidity that sort of drift across the battlefield. Some are as big as wrecking balls, but hit with little more impact than a backhand slap. <laughs> While other are no bigger or f- no larger or more fearsome than a soap bubble, yet hit hard enough to flip a chimera over. <laughs> um, yeah, which is great. <laughs> um, force fields are also used in the operation of the Smasher Gun, which traps its target within a localized energy barrier, hoists them into the air, and then crushes them like a massive invisible fist. The Tractor Cannon, meanwhile fires further and is usually used as an anti-aircraft weapon. Targets caught in the beam are reeled in and then smashed against the ground with killing force uh, unless the cannon misfires and pulls itself skywards along with the crew as it sails off into the distance. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fantastic. Um, And of course, poor Gretchen having to deal with all these things. Tell me about their lives. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the underlings. So yeah, the Gretchen. So 
as we mentioned before, they're the underclass of orc society, also known as grots. Uh, but they can be dangerous in numbers, you know, and uh, can be severely underestimated if you're not careful. Uh, so Gretchen, they're basically quantity over quality. You know, they're known for being cowards and very weak, so they're not really made for war in comparison to the orcs uh, and wouldn't be involved of it in it if they didn't want to be. Um, often get involved because, obviously, you know, the promise of plunder or they just get threatened at the end of the day to get stuck in. Um, and talking of getting stuck in, they get stuck in with short-range weapons like rusted pistols, knives, blunderbusses mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, but they're known for being got good sharpshooters, orcs letting them use these because they're they have better shots than orcs themselves uh but unfortunately they don't get any glory for it because they're basically you know end up being used as shields or mine clearance or in some cases living carpets as well um (laughs) they you know they they realize that to basically get somewhere they like i said earlier they they know they have to obey the orcs and do what they need to do because it's not worth going against it uh and that's where the uh, the run turds get come in basically to boot them up the backside so run turds uh, (laughs) these are sort of old odd boys that charged with looking after the grots uh it's an old orc tradition and you know and also the good advantage is it always means there's food nearby and <laughs> <laughs> so they they use a they use a spike claw on a pole to control the grots the grots which is called a grabber stick uh it can catch a grot and fling them on into a minefield if need be uh it can be modded into a grot prod by mech boys which basically m- means they can jolt them into action uh or but mm. you know, can use them to cripple enemies and unleash their swig uh squig hounds uh one famous one yeah. is uh zogroff uh, wartsnagger a particular runt herd and a free bur- freebooter with quite weird skills uh basically when he was younger he had the knack of turning grots into killers uh <laughs> so much so they end up being called commando runts uh by his snake bite tribe uh he got really attached to these runts and he got very angered when or- orcs were basically wasting them uh it sort of came to a head at the what's known as the battle of uh, glimless bunker uh firing a uh, mech boy through a tunnel created by his own shock attack gun and then he was banished with his runts um and now to this day they're still roaming Still looking for work, mm. which, is really, yeah. <laughs> which is really cool. <laughs> so, uh, talk about some big bins. <laughs> yeah, uh, some walking trash cans. It's killer cans. Um, you know, killer can is basically it's a it's a dreadnought but for Gretchen. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it it way, looks but... like a big. It's a big metal can with a bunch of you know powered shears, buzz saws, and high caliber ranged weapons strapped onto it. Uh, they usually operate in groups of two or three because even strapped inside this horrific death machine, grots are still very cowardly. Uh, they believe <laughs> in safety in numbers and don't have any delusions of invincibility, unlike death dread pilots, uh, and can actually become paralyzed with shell shock at the first sign of danger or waddle off in a panic when the going gets tough, which is kind of cute. Um, <laughs> grots kind of queue up for a chance to become a killer can because after a lifetime of menial tasks punctuated by casual violence... The idea of striding about in a hulking metal body and lording it over actual orcs is irresistible. Uh, nothing short of actually witnessing the horrific implantation process can deter them from becoming a cam pilot. Uh, and there's a lot of competition to get in to the point where more organized grot groups have loosely regulated lotteries to see who gets to be wired into the brand new killer can <laughs> when the mech finishes nice. building it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and once he's in place, the pilot will often wreak revenge on former bullies by smashing into their houses at night with a terrible shriek and stomping them into paste in front of their mates. 
Uh, the mechs and pain boys responsible for the upgrade look upon these spectacles of horrific violence with some kind of paternal pride before leading the rogue can back to its pen where it stands dormant, snoring <laughs> until it's time to go into the fight. <laughs> but when it comes time to fight, they can do horrific things. Uh, years of repression and misery find an outlet in this explosively gory rampage as they're set loose. Uh, they love to, they basically, they clank and waddle like horrific little penguins across no man's <laughs> land. Uh, and because grots are actual, actually reasonable shots, they hit more times than they miss with ranged weapons like rockets. Uh, they also love to use scorchers or, um, big shooters, but the most feared armament of all is the grot zooka. Effect- effectively an enormous bulk, uh, bulky hopper fed blunderbuss. Filled with scrap metal, masonry, nails, screws, bullets, broken tools, shards of glass, bewildered squigs, and the loader's lunch. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And, you know, any killer can that doesn't lose its nerve or get blown up by foes and by foes guns charge into close combat with these tinny little metal screams of wah! <laughs> uh, and once there, cause as much carnage as they can with shears, saws, and uh, giant drills sort of working out their anger and spite. <laughs> nice. They're pretty good. Yeah, uh, but let's let's hear about their bigger cousin, the Death Dread. Yeah, these are the the orc dreadnoughts, so to speak. Uh, and you know mm. what epitomizes an orc: big, shooty, and stompy. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> orcs obviously want a shortcut to power, something sometimes, um, and they'll end up becoming a, a Death Dread pilot, thinking you know they're going to be an unstoppable force. Unfortunately, they don't realize that they are permanently wired to this huge metal can basically <laughs> uh making them go crazy and uh it needs to be what's collectively known as running in uh which is basically where, where pain boys are needed for these uh war bands with death dreads due to the pilot crudely being wired into the circuitry and obviously mech boys are not the most careful handed so that's where the pain boys come in mm. uh they know roughly where the bra- brain is to jam the wires in um <laughs> you know you can't nail the pilot into the interior but you know may mm. have been tried at some point uh then obviously they need medical care due to the wires coming out in battle unfortunately as well so mm. death dreads have basically got huge limbs that rip things apart they got thick metal armor to shrug off blows they've got they use buzz saws and power shears to hack through enemies they've got some really bizarre loadouts like saws and claws they've got scorchers big shooters multiple rocket launchers uh rumors of high high roller tracks or heavy siege weapons in some cases <laughs> <laughs> now the top the pilots love killing things and destroying things because mm. basically obviously they've got this all this built-up anger being stuck in a big metal can uh screaming mm. you know similar to the killer cans screaming wah mm. through their speakers um and then ultimately they eventually calm down once the orc sort of gets used to being in this situation uh and then well, you know use this opportunity to show off their new metal body uh you've got dread mobs which is basically some mechs want to create the the stompiest machines around loving to, you know mm. loving to have a, you know an army of killer cans and death dreads going into battle with you know with some turning renegade as they're obsessed with creating this machine army so basically these particular mechs rather than doing their proper job are secretly making these huge mech armies mm. on the on the side mm. um so you've got also this particular one called uh bug nuts which is a big mech that was took uh, took apart a battle wagon of uh, warlord crusher Killscar. Unfortunately, he wouldn't, shouldn't have done because he used it to kill. Uh, sorry, to create some killer cans, um, and he unfortunately ended his days nailed upside down to the front of his the replacement wagon that he built. So be warned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't muck around. Right. Okay. As we mentioned a few times, the the gods Gork and Mork have got their own machines. So uh, do you want to mm. talk about those? Yeah. 
Uh, so we have the Gorkonaut and the Morkonaut. They're very different, I swear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so these are enormous walking tanks over 20 feet high, shaped basically like Gork or Mork, respectively. A Gorkonaut usually piloted by a knob, while a Morkonaut will usually be operated by a mech who built it. But either way, uh, they go it alone on board this enormous armoured warsuit. Usually, you know, you don't choose to do this normally as an orc, but sometimes you'll see visions of the orc gods bellowing at you to join a great war. Sometimes it'll be a result of the swirling war energy swirling through your brain because of a nearby warp storm, or maybe the local weird boy having a funny five minutes. Uh, (laughs) At other times, it's because you got a bang on the head and you're going a bit nuts. Uh, or some dodgy fungus brew, but end result is the same. Uh, they go they go on the warpath with whatever loyal or well paid lads they can scrounge up until they can build themselves a Gorkonaut or a Morkonaut. So a Gorkonaut is all about raw killing power. It's as subtle as a sledgehammer to the face, acting as a line breaker. <laughs> one of their claw, one of their arms ends as this enormous hydraulic claw of Gork, capable of caving in fortresses or gutting tanks. Uh, and the other primary armor is the Dacker Maker, known only as the Death Storm Mega Shooter. Six triple-barreled big shooters mounted on a rotating armature, <laughs> whirling up to speed with a deafening howl before spraying a truly amazing amount of bullets into everything in its path. <laughs> uh, effectively, it chews things apart with bullets. Um, however, while the Gorkonaut epitomizes the unsubtle brutality of Gork, a Morkonaut displays all the lethal cunning of the equally almighty Mork. Uh, the mech boys who build and pilot Morkonauts usually pack them up with energy weapons and glowy governs, uh, rockets, shooter shells, and custom mega zappers, uh, while they have a crushing claw of Mork, totally different to the hydraulic claw of Gork, obviously. Um, Morkonauts will usually also mount a force field to ward off returning enemy fire. Uh, but mechs... Mech pi- uh, mechs that pilot Morkonauts, much like the knobs that pilot Gorkonauts, are usually outcasts that have felt the call of the Great War. But some of them are just basically violent technological magpies uh, fighting for free Buddha war bands. Um, usually, bad mechs like this have been ejected from their tribe for crimes like using the local weird boy's hut for target practice. Uh, these rogue pilots are particularly dangerous and usually start their wanderings by flattering their- flattening their former tribe. Uh, as revenge. <laughs> However, nice. we can go bigger. We and can stompier. We can tell me about the stomper. Let's let's go proper stompy. Let's go Titan stompy. So yeah, oh. stompers. They're they're walking fortresses basically. They're layers upon layers of armor. They've got huge weapons. Stomp as as this you know title suggests. Stomping mm. around the battlefield. Uh, they're all unique creations from the the mechs. And, you know, obviously a lot of grot labor goes into them. But, you know, they've got some similarities across the board. Uh, they're generally made to look like Gork and Mork, you know, these tall, big-bellied, orc-like figures. You know, they've got furnaces and boilers and vents all going just to power this damn thing going. <laughs> they've got, you know, got an arm with a chainsaw, which is basically the size of a, a docking crane, which is called a mega chopper. Um, the other arm can vary, uh, the largest being a death cannon, which is 
basically this big huge cannon armed with arm and piercing explosive shells um, it's also got a super gatler which is a huge gatling gun ripping through enemies and stopping when basically there's no ammo left and also mm-hmm. the rain they've got a massive range of super rockets and hull mounted heavy weapons on board as well uh, i mean obviously one of the other main things as well as having this big weaponry is carrying huge mobs of orcs as they move across a battlefield mm-hmm. uh, unleashing this massive load of orcs and then destroying their enemies so they are cool mm-hmm. very cool indeed oh yeah <laughs> right shall we take to the airs again yeah Take the air once more. God, there's so many units in this. I know. <laughs> I know. It doesn't stop. Uh, it never, it never ends. Uh, it's time for the storm boys. Um, storm boys are too efficient and disciplined by the standards of right-thinking orcs. They, they sort of run contrary to the good old-fashioned values of anarchy and disorder. <laughs> but they're still orcs and share the orcish desire to get into battle as quickly as possible. So they go to war, strapped to rocket packs that should technically propel them forwards. Um, so yeah green screens green skins grow up a lot faster than humans but young orcs always take a year or two to find their place in society <laughs> this can lead to feelings of rebelliousness and anger in an orc youth so he may run off to join a stormboy camp especially if he's a goth or a blood axe these camps provide direction for green skins who are sick of being told they can do whatever they like um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, some of them become addicted to this regimented life and dedicate their lives to the time-honored martial practice of drilling, marching, and hurtling through the air. Uh, most orcs make things up as they go along, but storm boys have respect for authority and desire to plan things. Wow. Crazy, I know. Yeah. Um, while most orcs are sort of individualistic and tattered in appearance, storm boys love wearing uniform colors and equipment. They're also obsessed with trivial details of warfare, such as the strength and location of the enemies. Uh, Older orcs view all this parading, boot polishing, and voluntary obedience with something between amusement and contempt, but the Storm Boys take themselves very seriously. Uh, They are a force to be reckoned with, with, of course. They're always eager to prove themselves and, you know, prove that their battle drills are not useless. Uh, Flying into battle is seen as undignified by older orcs who prefer to charge headlong, but realize that airborne nutcases are always invaluable when attacking bastions and defense lines. After all, a hurling great lump of rocket-powered orc is a very effective weapon all of its own. Um, but, unfortunately, mech boys are not what you would call reliable. They find the idea of a malfunctioning rocket pack as amusing as the next orc. So it's a very common sight to see a storm boy corkscrewing off into the distance or plowing into the ground. Despite their proclamations of military genius, their battlefield doctrine is generally pull the lever, shout, here we go, and hope <laughs> for the best. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. But they've got a very fearsome boss, so tell me about Boss Zagstruck. Well, he is the boss. I say not any mm-hmm. boss. Yeah, so Zagstruck is a, a killing and massively, you know, disciplined uh, Stormboy leader, uh, particularly known as the leader of the vulture squad hates the weak and he's been known to be a bit of a bully you know and he suffers from very massive mood swings as well uh he's called the boss by his troops uh who love him and but at the same time they dread when he's uh he's on one and ranting at them uh he's known to be always shouting there's no <laughs> there's no no off switch <laughs> uh and to the point where he will even kill his own troops at any sign of ill discipline now funny enough he was born in a human settlement um but he throttled his way out of, <laughs> out of this particular settlement literally <laughs> uh to get back to his own tribe um and it's to the point where he's rumored to he is killed on every single day of his life uh wow. 
And, and he's also rumoured, that rumour mill, to have stared down, you know, warlords, squigglers and everything. He does not, you know, doesn't take mm. shit from no one. Mm. His particular aircraft, which is known as Devulture, is uh, basically this massive red f- fighter bomber. Uh, very old, very antique as well. Uh, packs real punch, despite that. Uh, even to the point where they use Storm Boys as a payload. Uh, so basically, the tactic is he'll fly low over enemies, then drop Storm Boys in, uh, rocket packs boost in at the last minute, so they can go first, you know, sorry, boots first, right into the f- enemy's face. Uh, his signature attack is his... Uh, uh, bionics which is the vulture claws uh basically he lost his legs to a space marine dreadnought which he managed to gnaw through the cables through to take it down before <laughs> before it could kill him uh and now ironically he's even stronger with these particular augments uh since the great mm. rift he's been very different uh, to the point you know his, his lads have known these you know, i said he's definitely changed he's basically driven to another level now uh he's basically mm. starting a massive storm war which is obviously a gathering of loads of storm boys uh goths mm. blood axes etc um he's also in the in this period he's taken over saint resmond hope uh which is a basically an imperial shi- um, shrine world uh, and he's remade it in his image uh, it's now called mm. planet zag um so basically used to, yeah. <laughs> keep it keep it keep it simple so yeah saint resmond's hope used to be a paradise uh but it got reduced to ruins and obviously looted by his his uh storm war now planet zag as it's called is basically a combination of gun fortresses military camps factories etc uh with its capital which is known as de boss fort which is an armor-plated mm-hmm. capital. Uh, it's overlooked overlooked by a huge mountain, which has been shaped into the likeness of his face, so they can drill harder <laughs> while he's looking at him. <laughs> That's so good. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. time to get sneaky. Yeah, yeah. So, no one's sneaker than the commandos. Nope. These guys epitomize the orky virtue of low cunning. Uh, nothing gets them happier than creeping up on unsuspecting enemies with his mates at his sides, and at the right time, they'll burst out in a wonderful ambush. Most boys are very suspicious of all this nonsense, of course. <laughs> um, commandos don't really socialize with other orcs, and sometimes actually go into self-imposed exile for several months at a time, or even permanently divorce themselves from their parent tribes. Uh, they actually prize intelligence and initiative, and some are even capable of reading. See? Um, <laughs> they don't. They don't get. They don't get their thrills from mass charges or turbo-powered races. But nothing gives them more kicks than slitting throats and spreading panics behind enemy lines before launching an ambush. The horrified look on the faces of their prey, who assumed they could see an orc attack a mile off, is tremendously rewarding. Uh, the scare tactics are epitomized by Snickrot of the Red Skull Commandos, who is a terror upon the planet of planet of Armageddon. Words. <laughs> Um, on the field of battle, they assassinate sentries and destroy gun emplacements to make sure the rest of the lads can actually reach the front lines unscathed. Uh, and most commandos have their own specialized roles in their own mobs and have an appropriate nickname such as Fireboy or Throat Slit. Uh, they have the same sort of organized and militaristic outlook as Stormboys, and so Stormboys often become commandos once they sort of grow out of that initial phase. Um, the tools the commandos trades are very subtle. They enjoy suit blackening their blades and camouflaging themselves with stripes of blood, dirt, and dung so they blend in, which is shocking to normal orcs who consider covering up their greenness unnatural. <laughs> uh, blood axes, of course, are a little more lenient and sort of understand where they're coming from. Some commanders are even more inventive, attaching foliage to their uniforms or employing cunning disguises, Ooh. at least by orc standards. 
occasionally they do use heavy weapons, which they reveal only when in the perfect position, of course. <laughs> and, of course, they're led by the Green Ghost himself, Boss Snickrot. Take it away. Yeah. He's got a reputation, this lad. He's <laughs> even amongst the orc hunters of Armageddon are scared of him and whisper his name, known as the Stalker. He can sneak, not disturb in a leaf, a ghost through the forest. Uh, so, yeah, he basically lives for vengeance and hatred. Uh, his victims often left to bleed to death, eyes pulled out and sculpted. Uh, so, yeah, he's basically mm. a commander of very high repute during the original Gaskell invasion of Armageddon, uh, part of the very first tribe to navigate the jungle between Armageddon Prime and Armageddon Secundus. Uh, him and his boys ended up being separated from the rest of the uh, the boys uh, near the Cerberus base, uh, where they ended up fighting a jungle fighter squad, which gave him very heavy casualties. So he ended up ordering a retreat and vowed to return with vengeance. So he realised that guerrilla warfare was needed. So he went back to basics to blend into the jungle. You know, take you know, changing his armour, his gear, becoming one with the vines, and in turn, this enhanced his reputation and the reputation of his of his boys and commandos and performing sneak attacks on the on Astra Militarum troops. Um, so his boys are known as the Red Skull Commandos due to scalping victims. And then, lovely, you know, a really nice thing they do is they then get the hot blood and pour it over their own heads. Um, so, <laughs> lovely. Still, you know, they were sort of still around in Armageddon when Gaskell returned again. Um, Snick Rot reputation obviously increased even more over this time stories of the the ghost drinking blood and the beast killer with dog tags of his victims around his forearms and such things to whisper their names mm. uh to their moot to the moon as well so he ended up becoming a you know a, a, a scary story to <laughs> to scare kids basically <laughs> uh but you know they always say there's always a bit of truth in these stories as well so he he still strikes fear mm-hmm. uh the most of all orc and orc hunters you know that still pray <laughs> that to, still pray to the emperor that they don't get taken out by him uh the recent demons mm-hmm. of chaos that were on armageddon that we've spoken about before uh that caused yeah. an, like an orc human alliance absolutely disgusted him to the point where he often would take out orcs on his own side in the shadows <laughs> secretly mm-hmm. <laughs> taking them down so um yeah really cool him yeah, uh right let's move great. on to yourself cameron flash gets yeah the flash gets yes <laughs> the richest and most obnoxious of all orcs thanks matt um, <laughs> <laughs> they uh they sort of pursue this life of conquest and pillage playing the sky playing the stars in their grotesquely ornamented kill cruisers and attack craft they love fighting along the other <coughs> boys just to show off how rich they are you know how fancy or unflashable they are uh they believe that they're at the top of orc society which usually means most of them get booted out of their tribes for giving the war boss too much cheek or being a bunch of smug show-offs. Um, other volunte- others voluntarily become free booters so they can get their hands on even more loot without having to share a single tooth. Uh, they love accumulating treasure. Uh, they do pretty much anything to increase their wealth uh, and actually hire themselves out as mercenaries to war bosses or even alien races. Um, they're instantaneous rec- instantaneously recognizable with ostentatious apparel and swaggering self-importance. They're covered with piercings, medallions, trophies, animal furs, and gilded glyphs proclaiming their own greatness. And, of course, a fancy hat. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be done. A lot of them... Oh, yeah. A lot of them are from the Bad Moons clan, and the two factions always enjoy a good brag over the barrels of the finest fungus rum that teeth can buy. 
Uh, they're usually announced by the jingle and clank of their many possessions and love parading in front of their, uh, in front of other orcs. And even their attendant grots are incredibly well dressed and take a lot of pride in boasting about how great the flash gets are. Uh, one thing they like more than strutting their stuff is shooting stuff with their highly customized snaz guns. Uh, they, these guns vary tremendously designed, but because bucketfuls of teeth tend to encourage a mech to do his best, they are all uniformly deadly. Uh, they are usually seen as mercenaries, but form the mainstay of a lot of freebooter warbands. Usually, if there's an intimidating enough freebooter warboss around to sort of keep them in order, get them rampaging around space, blowing things up and grabbing anything they can carry. Uh, boisterous competition with, within their own mobs quickly reaches unhealthy levels. Uh, with so many show-offs, sort of infighting and one-upmanship becomes endemic. Finding expression through acts of sabotage, not-so-friendly fire, races scrap loot, and even good old-fashioned brawling. Disciplinary issues like this can cause freebooter warbands to implode if left unchecked, so a warboss will generally direct the sense of competition between specific mods, mobs of uh, flash kits on the battlefield. You know, oi, those guys are doing better than you. Show them up. And that's <laughs> right, harder, effectively. Uh, they love to <laughs> roar space shanties at the top of their lungs as they storm into battle with their snaz guns blazing and sweeping over their foes. Hey, if a few rival mobs get blown up in the process, well, that just proves they couldn't handle their DACA. Damn right. Never <laughs> true a word said. <laughs> mm, mm. All right. And they are led by a mighty orc, of course, as many of these uh, specialist units are. Tell me about Captain Badrock. The Freebooter King. The Freebooter King. That's right. The most infamous of all freebooters. The captain of the uh, the kill cruiser known as the the Black Tooth. Uh, for many years, for decades, in fact, uh, he's known as the uh, the leader of Badrux Flash Gits, um, and obviously known for fighting for all main warlords around. You know, they, you know, it's money talks or teeth talks, I should say. He's you know basically a typical freebooter war boss, but with a very over the top appearance. He's you know ugly, bald, and a scarred head. He's got medals from defeated imperial captains. He's got so many teeth he has a permanent grin at all times, um, <laughs> and to the point where these teeth have been plated with an alloy sto- stolen from the palace of undying light, so to say. Wow. Um, I know uh, his armor's covered in the blood of his recent victims. Uh, he's got he carries dominating banners with him, and he also wears a lead line trench coat protecting him from the radiation from his deripper <laughs> <laughs> which is his main weapon which was taken from an ogryn uh, bodyguard modded with a uh, basically with an unstable plasma canister instead of bullets instead which is very cool indeed <laughs> he's yeah i know he was uh, originally a bad moon he was chased out of his tribe for having too many teeth <laughs> <laughs> his, they, wow. they, were, they were too suspicious of him he had too many teeth um so his reputation went up after that day because basically you know after that he was fighting with warlord uh garahak uh he was basically involved attacking a tendril of uh, high fleet kraken going for the norn queen uh there was also the war of daka which is a great sound yeah. in battle his warriors outshot a tau emperor hunt um, outshot a Tau Empire hunter, Kadra, uh, and rumoured to have killed a void whale as well. And uh, <laughs> he actually has a, a very excellent tactical mind and will advise any warlord who's willing to pay his advisor fees, basically. And basically, mm. after each battle, he then persuades his employers for the majority of the loot. Otherwise, there'll be more mm. trouble, lads. Uh, in recent times, he's been using teleporters, which involves dropping flash gits when, where needed, uh, combined with a force bubble tech uh, to basically trap enemies with him at the same time, which is great. Uh, mm. This was designed by Badmet 
bad mech uh, Mogrok, a bad moon's big mech who owes him his life. Uh, this goes back to the time on the, the night world of Alaric Prime, where he was saved. Uh, he's been using him for his tech and his knowledge ever since. Uh, using this, he's successfully raided uh, Tan, uh, Tanhotep, which is a uh, Necron treasure world. Uh, he's also invaded several Imperial planets and the Grand Guard of the Chaos Warlord, uh, Nagsar the Unrepentant. Uh, and obviously, this is all enhanced his rep, his money, and his ship. Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, almost, yes. We're almost there. Right. So, do you want to talk about a certain, a certain crazy doctor? Yeah, yeah. It's the mad Doc Grotznik, uh, the owner of the best quote that's ever been made in Warhammer 40k, which is operate, operate, still time to operate. <laughs> um, yeah, I always loved that quote. Um, he's always had this morbid fascination with rooting around in other people's heads. Uh, when an ugly goth called Gaskell stumbled into his medical tent, holding his brain in place with both hands, Doc Grotznik saw a fabulous opportunity. Two hours <laughs> later, Gaskell staggered out again, this time clutching a skull of shining adamantium. Gaskell's rise to a grand warlord took less than a week, and Grotznik was suddenly very, very popular. <laughs> uh, there was a mob of orcs waiting outside his tent, and he convinced the richest knobs of his tribe that they too should get a Gaskell special. Uh, but what Grotznik didn't tell them was that each cranium he installed had a portion of high explosive with a remote trigger hidden away. The work kept rolling in, and if a knob with a metal cranium offended him, well, later that day they might come down with a nasty case of exploding head. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually the knobs figured out what was happening. Realizing they couldn't tackle Grotznik face to face, they organized a little accident for him. He was called out to take a look, take a look at the wiring of a faulty death dread but was in for a surprise when the Dread grabbed him with a pincer and sawed his head open before stomping off. <laughs> um, as his Gretchen orderlies looked down on, upon their dying master, they too saw a great opportunity. They dragged the dock all the way back to the medical tent, and soon the sounds of bone saw, hammer, and drill began to drift across the sleeping camp. During that long night, one of the Gretchen lost his lunch whilst elbow deep in, the gro in, the, in Grotznik's head. The other lost a pet spider that scurried into the warmest, softest place it could find his hinged open brain. Grotznik died several times that night, but was brought back to life by an inventively applied grot prod. In the small hours of the morning, he staggered out of the tent clutching a new metal skull plate, alive but quite, quite mad. <laughs> Filled with manic glee, he danced and sang in the moonlight as grisly explosions played counterpoint to his operatic efforts as he triggered the knob's explosive heads one by one. Since that day, his taste in surgery have gone even weirder. He's cut off several of his own limbs just to keep his hand in, as he says, replacing <laughs> them with grafts. Yeah, replacing them with grafts from customers who have been overcome with generosity whilst out cold on the slab. He has lobotomized a fair number of the brave and foolish coming to his tent, only to replace their brains with live squigs. It's rumored he's even building his own composite super orc out of organs and body parts, quote unquote, donated by his customers. Most people believe without Gaskell's patronage, he would have been properly killed long ago. But Doc is still tough as old nails and a proper fighter to boot. Uh, really, he's figured out that staying in Gaskell's good books is the path to glory. When Gaskell was uh, when Gorgamore called Gaskell away from Armageddon, Grotznik went along for the ride. Uh, and you know, as Gaskell beats rival warlords into a pace and as their forces zone, Grotznik picks up all the casualties and takes the best of the defeated knobs for his own projects. He even bullies rival pain boys into walking, working for him, and a lot of these gangs of pain boys disappear once they get too tired of Doc Rotznik. Uh, and there is a rumor of a ghoulish brain bot being built, in which he supposedly preserves the accumulated know-whats of all his failed orderlies for later reference. 
Gaskell knows about all this and how all the all his subservient war bosses really don't like what's going on with Doc Rotsnick, <laughs> but he's seen no reason to curb his enthusiasm, enthusiasm so far, which really just raises the question of what is Grotznik building for his master, and what manner of horrors may be revealed when he finally reveals this magnum opus as complete. <laughs> um, now, he's been working for the Goths for a long time, but he's always been a deaf skull at heart. Of mm-hmm. late, he's returned to his looting hobbies by gathering a whole bunch of pain boys and free freebooters and setting out to harvest not scrap metal, but corpses. Uh, his corpse looters, as he's called them, prefer to get stuck in and generate a solid body count before picking over the dead and wounded and dragging away anyone that catches Grotznik's eyes. This warband has a lot of cyborgs, along with some biologically customized monsters called Stitch Boys. With killsaws screaming and syringes flashing, the corpse looters rampage from one battlefield to the next, cannibalizing everything in sight and packing their meat wagons with raw materials for Doc Grotznik's horrid experiments. It's it's pretty grim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll sum it up. Let's get somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, why don't we cap it off with the greatest orc of them all, the prophet of Gork and Mork, Gazkul, Mag, Uruk, Tracker. Yes, exactly. Let's bring it on home with him. Well, as as Gaskell would say, you know, in his words, we've we've going to stomp the universe flat and kill everything that fights back. We's the orcs, and we's made to fight and win. Uh, well, I would, I wouldn't Solid say anything statement. else. Um, yeah. <laughs> sums him up. Yeah. So where do we start with him? Uh, like I said, he's the the prophet of the war, the most influ- yeah, influential orc of all time. Basically, bringing <laughs> billions of orcs under him. Uh, but it's not always been that way, as we've slightly alluded to. So, like I said, he's originally from Urk. He was a simple goth soldier. Ended up with a bolter shell to the brain from a Space Marine encounter. And there's Mad Doc Grotznik, as we've just been hearing about. The Death Skull's uh, pain boy replaces brain parts with adamantium. This may have been the been the trigger or just delusion, but then became a prophet of Gork and Mork. He basically had a very quick and massive rise through the Urk tribes and became basically supreme planetary warlord very quickly uh he had the strength mm. the battle prowess the courage you know which basically made all orcs respect him but he also had vision too which is what a lot of them lack uh, and basically used this to rouse the orcs and to basically told him we're gonna go conquer the galaxy um yeah. things could have been a bit different but uh one key event was that Urk's son des- uh, started to die which he saw this as a sign from gork Join me on a war or die, basically, he was thinking. Mm. So, I mean, Gaskell's got a massive list of achievements and conquests. <laughs> he's taken out the defenders of the seven systems. He's uh, looted the forge world of uh, Dino Sticks 5, destroyed the Astral Drake's chapter to a man. Um, I mean, obviously, he's mainly known for invading Armageddon twice, as we well know. Um, but uh, but also one place he couldn't ironically conquer. Um, and obviously now in nearest times with the, the Great Rift, he, as we know, he's upped his game tenfold. Some saying that the Great Rift has led him away from Armageddon with visions and, and uh, mm. warp energies. Uh, others say it was truly Gork and Mork talking to him. Uh, his visions have ramped up with some runter saying he can see things far away through what's known as the Great Green. So, yeah, that's what he's up to now. So, yeah, yeah so that's all the all the units and, and lore oh, from man. the Orcs Codex. <laughs> and I think we're quite knackered yeah. <laughs> after oh, all that. God, it's killing me, really. I know. I, feel, um, I didn't realize how much was in this. <laughs> now we've done it. <laughs> yeah, now we've really done it. We're gonna split this episode in two. Yeah, it's getting that way. <laughs> mm. 
I was going to say, Cameron, before we finish up on the orcs, is there any particular yeah. rules or things you wanted to highlight at all? Yeah, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of things I'll touch on. Uh, key, brand new, very cool rule: daka daka daka. When you're shooting, sixes are always great. You automatically hit, and you get another free shot, which can also automatically hit, but can't make more free shots because there's nothing better than more daka. Damn um, right. Or they needed this. They were base five plus ballistic skill for yeah, exactly. everything. Can get like. If anything, get a negative two to hit on it. Suddenly, they couldn't hit it anymore. Now they can. Um, and here we go, which is another one of basically the universal army rules. Um, when uh, you can reroll charge rolls for these units, uh, and when doing so, you can reroll all or any of the dice, which is really good actually, because um, <laughs> it's much better than being able to reroll charges flat. Because normally you'd have to reroll both. So That's say right. Yeah. You needed eight inches, and you got a five and a one. With this, you can just, just re-roll roll the one, one instead yep. of having to reroll both. Yep. That makes yeah. sense. It's it's pretty good. Um, and mob rule is always fun. They can replace their leadership with the number of orcs in their unit or the number of orcs in a nearby unit, which is pretty great. Um, anything in particular I want to point out? Um, honestly, there's so many. There's so I know. Many in this book. <laughs> I swear to God. Luckily, we're a law podcast. Um, <laughs> luckily, we're a law podcast. Don't have to talk about all this. Um, <laughs> there was a couple of things I want to look at really quickly. What was it? Ah, yes. The world's best stratagem is Grot Shields for one command point. <laughs> after you've after you've been hit by a ranged weapon. Till the end of the phase, roll a d6 each time uh, the unit loses a wound if there's a friendly unit of Gretchen within six inches. Uh, on a two plus, the original model doesn't lose a wound and one of the Gretchen is killed. So you can get a big mob of Gretchen and use them as a literal shield, which is great. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, all the psychic powers are well used to. They're pretty good. Um, Fist of Gork is pretty good. Uh, you can select an orc character within 12 inches visible psycho. They get plus two strength and plus two attacks. That's until nice. The, until yeah. your next psychic phase, which pop that on Gazgul. Just do it. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, <laughs> uh, my favorite relic is probably Morgog's Thinking Cap, um, which is from a Scholar Progenium training facility. It's a bunch of electrodes jammed into a helmet uh, to basically try and make make people smarter. Uh, it's for blood axes only. Um, if you put it on your warlord, the warlord gets a second warlord trait. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. If you put put it on someone who isn't the warlord, they get their own warlord trait. Mm-hmm. So it's yep. Makes sense. It's a pretty cool way to get an extra warlord trait in the army, um, which can make a boss real tough if you're taking generic warlord traits. Um, <laughs> uh, there, there's one that's just plus one toughness. Honestly, the best one is probably plus one strength and plus one attack. Um. Yeah, it's all good. It's yep. it's all pretty good in here. Honestly, yep, it's that's what I've been codex. hearing. Mm, I'm I'm very happy with it, and I've been constantly for the last like two or three weeks resisting the urge to get orc things. I can't do that right now. <laughs> it's it's funny you should say that because like I've I to be honest, I've never owned orcs in my life. Really, I've never. They're not a race. I've always enjoyed them. Like like mm. all the discussions we've just had, I've always enjoyed them. But they're not a race that I would mm. probably collect. But then I must admit. I'm, you know, that that little little <laughs> part of me is eyeing him up, just thinking, oh, I could just build a few and just see where it takes me, you know. But uh, no, must resist at the moment. There's too much else to do. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, that's been the Orcs Codex. It's <laughs> we managed to Gosh. get through it. I've forgotten how much there was in that. So we're definitely going to take a very, very well needed break now. I'll uh, for the mm. last part of the show. And like I said, when we come back, we're going to s- talk about which characters from the world that was we want to return. Back shortly. Yeah. 
And welcome back. It's discussion topic time. And for this one, we're combining the world that was and the Age of Sigma. And on this one, we're asking the question, which characters from the world that was do we want to return in Age of Sigma? And I suppose what we sort of mean by this is one is characters that are, are not just a generic thing, uh, uh, mm. like from a model perspective at the moment. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they're actually, you know, their character comes back in some sort of way as a character in mm. the Age of Sigmar mm. lore. Okay, yeah. so like I said we'll we'll take it in turns just to suggest characters and maybe why we think mm-hmm. they should. Uh, we got a bit of listener feedback at the end, and we'll go from there. All right, yeah. so um, Cameron, kick us off, mate. Um, I, I'm going to go big or go home with something that I think could and should happen. Where are the rest of the von Karsteins? <laughs> you know, we've got Where? Manfred. We've got Manfred swaggering around being all untrustworthy. But where's Vlad? Where's Isabella? Where are their 15 million vampiric cousins, you know? Um, I think, look, they're vampires. Theoretically, they could have survived or Nagash could just bring them back. True. Um, and they're great characters. And I think it would really add to the the inter in, intra-faction struggle of death, I should say, because <laughs> if Manfred has someone to back him up, instead of having to compete with Neferata and Archon, um, we might even get something like a vampire faction splitting away from Nunagash's direct control or something like that, which could be interesting. And I think it'd be really cool to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, they're just great, and it makes me sad to see their models listed as generic vampires. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's, a, that's a shame with a lot of these characters we're probably going to talk about. Mm. It's just when you think of what they used to be in the world that was, and they're in Age of Sigma, they're something so generic, and you're like, no, they, no. <laughs> they used to be so much more than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, cool. No, I agree. I I had Vlad on Van Karstein on my list because mm. you know I was, I was sort of thinking, well, look, just think about it. Back in the day, he's you know technically he's a relative of Nagash. Yeah. Um, yep. back in the day, and then he was previously controlled by Nagash via a very naughty ring, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I said, I just you know, and he did have a massive vampire ar- army under him, and yeah. you know, sp- slight spoilers, obviously in Soul Wars. Uh, Nagash is looking for new lieutenants under him. You know, I, mm. I, um, so just thinking, you know, this could be a new future. So, you know, if they brought Vlad back, he would be a future soul blight, you know, mm. proper yeah. general of sort yeah, some yeah. sorts, really. Um, because they're in a bit of a funny place, the soul blight. So, mm. and obviously people like Manfred are not trusted, etc. Whereas Vlad was, you know, got the job done. I know he ended up meeting mm. his death in the end, but like you said, Nagash could bring him back. He, you know, oh, he, yeah. he's got the power. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally agree. Um, right. My first one, like I said, you know, go, you know, hit, hit hard, go home, mm. etc. I'm saying, I'm suggesting Carl Franz, um, Ooh. This is a bit of a funny one, obviously, for multiple <laughs> reasons, because uh, obviously, technically, Carl Francis definitely definitely did die oh, in yeah. in the end times, <laughs> as we covered when we spoke about Archaon last episode. But you know, look at it realistically; he's a former emperor of uh, mm. of the empire at that time. He, he could be resurrected under Sigmar, because you know, if you think, remember, towards the end of the end times, Sigmar took over his dying body at that point yeah, yeah and you know with the whole stormcast eternal thing as we have at the moment you know that's very plausible um you know back in the day he was using galmaraz 
which now is in the hand of the Celestine Prime, mm. um, which then obviously has created that rumour that <laughs> obviously the Celestine Prime is actually Carl Franz. Yeah. A lot of people out there don't believe that. And, you know, I suppose I don't really believe either way, to be honest. But mm. what is stopping Sigmar trying to bring him back? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it depends. I suppose realistically he couldn't because mm. if you think about it, his soul is, I don't know, it depends, depends where his soul Somewhere is. Does, is this, yeah. Is, yeah, if it's out there. I mean, the gash could be hiding him. You know, just mm. think of think of the power that Carl Franz had. I mean, to be yeah. fair, it took, it took Archaon bringing the end times to sort of take him out. Mm. So I think it, I'd love to have him back because I think that, as we've said before, free, free guilds need a, a prominent character like that. They need to have their mm. own place. Mm. And like I said, when you look on the on the GW website, he is a free guilds general, yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's and that's all he is. And like, no, that's Carl Franz. It's, I, it's, know, it says he, it on the nameplate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. I was going to say it says it on the front of the box still. It's right <laughs> on it's the It's still model. in that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's just you know, it just it feels so bad him being there. But I, mm. you know, I think I think they could all I don't know bring some sort of spirit of him. I don't know, you know. Yeah, I'm yeah. just yeah. It, it needs to be done. Um, what's your next one? Uh, I would like to see some Skaven characters, because only one oh. Skaven survived the end times. Well, Skaven character survived the end times attack, and that was Thankwall. And Thankwall's great. Mm-hmm. But come on, you're telling me Deathmaster Snitch went down like that? When, <laughs> when yeah. all of Skaven Blight was already teleported into the warp? Like, I know Skaven don't live a long time. Like, it is hard for Skaven to get old, and any Skaven character should have logically died by now. But Skaven Blight is also inside the Realm of Chaos, like, consistently at this point. So, um, give me some give me some good Skaven characters, or give me Ascended Skaven characters. You know, yeah. um, you know, um, the, uh, god. The, the Great Horned Rat has ascended to the rank of a Chaos God, ostensibly. Give me yeah. Skaven Demon Prince, you know, like yeah. Master Snitch ascended and like merged with a Vermin Lord. That would be or cool. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. That would be very cool. Something like that would oh. be interesting. And, you know, mm. there, there was there were some really good characters as well. They had like Nurglitch um, from Clan Pestilence rising his, riding his big disease rat and stuff like that. There was, there was some good yeah. stuff that they could bring back. And I think would yeah. make sense. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree. Actually, my next one is a Skaven one, oh. um, which is uh, uh, Itic Claw. Oh, uh, yeah, um, I love him because because ultimately he was you know one of the greatest sorcerers in the mm. old world, and you know to the point where he went round researching magic for other races. He went to the you know he snuck into Nagaroth where the Dark Elves were. He mm. went into mm. human settlements, and you know he, he was properly obsessed with learning as much about the magic. As he can, and and just think the the mortal realms are perfect for someone like his character, oh, yeah. oh, where, you know, where it's there's there's even the more time. magic around. Exactly, there's <laughs> even more magic around. And again, knowing that, like you were just sort of similar to what you were just saying about the Skaven, where they do need more prominent characters back now mm. that the the Great Horn Rat is on the Chaos Pantheon, and they're in that bit of a funny place, as we've said before. You know, yeah. he could be, you know, just like the examples you were saying, that he could be, uh, you know, ascended in some sort of way to like be mm. some sort of demon mm. or demon sorcerer, 
you know scaven prince <laughs> of some sort you know he, he, had, he had he had so much power back in the day um mm. i'll be honest i couldn't really i don't really know what really happened to him because i did look around and i couldn't yeah i mean people listening could make it oh this is what happened to him i don't actually remember what actually happened to him um like him being outrightly killed in yeah, the old world yeah. apart from just you know the end times etc etc so yeah i just think because remember this is you know he was part of i think he was the one that mm. created the doom wheel as well I think oh, he was yeah. part of that. I think I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure he was. And I, like I said, I just think he would be perfect, similar to like, mm. you know, Grandmaster Snitch and people like that. So yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Um, any more? Um, this is not targeted at any character specifically, but more of a generic. I would love to see as part of future releases, some of the old elf characters come back, but wrong. Um, <laughs> what I mean by this is, Elven souls are actually kind of relatively intact from the whole old world, thanks to Slanesh. Like, sure, they're messed up, right? They've been yep. inside Slanesh for how, God knows how long, having a horrible, <laughs> yep. awful time. But it's still technically the same person, which is really messed up, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that gives you the possibility to have some of these characters come back and, you know, they might not even remember that this character, but, you know, we get a new light elf character for example, yeah. mm-hmm. who displays certain attributes, but at the same time is this horrifically scarred, possibly horrifically mutated if the whole Tainus Lanesh manifests physically uh, person. Uh, and, you know, as their story progresses, they begin to remember what came before the great torment within Slanesh, etc., and, you know, recover themselves. And they that gives them something to work towards, a goal. You can do really interesting stuff with that. I think it would be cool. Um, at the yep. same time, I could see people going, oh, they're just bringing all the old characters back to all the elves again, <laughs> yeah, all yeah. the OP guys. Yeah. Um, but no, I think it'd be really interesting. Like, we've seen it already with Marathi coming back as this changed, tainted person, but still effectively the same person if she had forgotten everything for a period. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like, they've got that right there. It'd, it'd be kind of a waste of like, all the elves are brand new elves, they don't remember anything at all, but they're still marked by the horrors of Slash. I'm like, have some of them remember, you know? Yeah. Have some of them oh, still mate. be the same person. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because it's, it's funny, because when, when we brought this question up to people online, and, and which we'll get to shortly, is mm. that people forget how many characters there were out there. You know, because oh, I think in lot. some people's eyes that, that, oh, most of them are still around, aren't they, or whatever. And it's like, no, there's actually so many characters out mm. there that just have gone, you know, mm. just either killed off or just haven't been, just disappeared as part of the end times. And that's it. And it's like, no, there were so many prominent characters that could be, I mean, again, a lot of these are a fast, a, you know, a far stretch, but, mm. you know, mm. and uh, as we've said, and as I keep putting me saying almost every episode is the rule book is out the window when it comes to age of sigma they can do what they want there's if yeah. they want to bring someone back they can do they will find a, <laughs> they could find a way if they really wanted to um mm. you know it's like my next one is um etc which we oh, yes. i think we, we we covered in when we covered the the tomb kings um <laughs> <laughs> discussion topic and again he's another prominent character he was such a badass back in the day mm. he's one of the you know one of the characters you could not keep down he's you know the the, the character that you know would challenge would come back he would challenge um nagash definitely because he you know he didn't see eye to eye to him but this is also the same character that would would take take on chaos as well mm. because he absolutely mm. hated chaos as well you know it's almost like and i think i said this in the tomb kings episode as well is that 
Nagash needs someone challenging him yeah from within so mm. to speak you know it's not just you know not the night haunt against the stormcast and against chaos mm. it's almost like something needs to happen either like ark in the black does a you know defect defects or creates his own his own army under under nagash but like i said if setra came back and came you know similar to vlad von karstein is that if either of those two came back knowing mm. that they've got previous history with nagash he you know he they would come back potentially under him as a you know as an underling mm. and then yeah. you know then rebel against him at some point well i could see that anyway i think it'd be i think mm. it'd be really interesting yeah it'd be um, really cool. um have you got any more no, uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I I did put down also Malice Darkblade as well. Oh um, God, but- yes, actually, that'd be so good. <laughs> <laughs> Just you know, one probably my favourite Dark Elf of all time. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the dark elf with with his cold one in and the demon in his blade. Um, mm. I don't. I uh, to be fair, I don't. The only the only thing I I put a question mark against him is whether it would be worth it. Like, I don't know what place he would have. Now, mm. you know, whereas with some of these other characters, you know, the Skaven ones could leave Skaven forward, Setra, yeah, Vlad yeah. von Karstein, Carl Franz even can, you know, they've got a place. Whereas it's almost a bit like Gotrek in the sense that, because yeah. obviously in, in theory they've brought, got, you know, with Realm Slayer, they've now brought Gotrek back. In theory, mm. he is now part of the canon, um, but he still doesn't have really much of a place. You think he's just a, yeah, a character yeah. within it, whereas and I suppose Malice Darkblade is the same situation. So they could oh. do story, you know, he could have his own novels as, yeah, you know, yeah. if they brought him back in some sort of way. I mean, it could play into the, you know, the demon that's, that's, mm. hunt, you know, that's uh, haunting him <laughs> throughout yeah, his whole yeah. storyline. You know, it could oh, be. Man. Yeah. But I miss those books. <laughs> they, they were really good. I, I mean, like. <laughs> When when the Shadow Elves inevitably come, just imagine if no explanation, like the Grand High General special character isn't Malarion, it's just Malice Darkblade. Yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. And I would yeah. buy him in a heartbeat. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, let's go on to the listener responses, actually, for this mm. one. So we, we put a Twitter poll up asking the same question um and it had got quite a lot of votes as well so mm. it was basically you know would you like to see characters come back uh, that used mm. to be in the old world and we of the votes we had 41 percent said yes 18 percent said no and 41 said depends so yeah, that's quite interesting pretty, it's good that only a small split. amount say no so that's quite mm. good that it's either yes or maybe which is really yeah. cool yeah um and so we'll read out some of the twitter responses if you've mm. Yeah, I'll Got start to hand that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Fabricio D uh, at Undiris uh, says, Definitely. I think Genevieve is not in AOS. I miss her adventures. She had one of the best tales against Drakenfels. Uh, Genevieve <laughs> the vampire? Hell yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> On yeah, that. She would definitely. also be great. And again, vampire <laughs> can come back. You know, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, whilst we've got, we've got uh, Kyle V, which is at Valdi uh, twenty eleven. Uh, he said, mm-hmm. uh, "Yes, but with updates, Marathi is a great example of how they took a classic character and updated it for AOS." Yep, totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I think I then asked him um, to expand a bit further, and he said, uh, "Or oh, any others?" And he said, "And he said, uh, Malarian, Tyrion, Teclis for sure." Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's also potential for former humans coming back as Stormcast, like the single reference to Balthazar Gelt, wink. Yep. We wink. may talk about that next episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Colec Sun Eater for Beasts Ooh. of Chaos would be great. Yes, yes Grim Gore could come back as a Shaman slash Megaboss mixture for Iron Jaws. Mm-hmm. That's, is Grim Gore the one that headbutted? 
Archaeon. Yep, yeah, he yeah, was the toughest he was. of the Blackhawks. Yeah, <laughs> he was so he good. Was. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, fair, definitely, um, fair points there. Uh, again, mm-hmm. it's sort of, it's you know, like like he made reference to Balthazar Gelt. Gelt. Yeah, that's similar to the whole Carl Franz thing as well. So mm. um, yeah, yep. uh, next one, Cameron. Uh, Onkel Harrowmaster at Natus Noctum says Sigvold because he's a pretty boy <laughs> and Slanesh needs a champion as soon as she returns. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I reckon that one's actually pretty likely because I, I think I keep mentioning it every few months. But the first Shades by rule book had that little short story about the dwarves who found a mirror with a vain soul trapped inside. Yeah, yeah, I reckon, I reckon that could be it. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, true. Um, right next is another Cameron, Cameron oh. Burns at Biomed oh, no. Burns. <laughs> I know this these Camerons. Um and he says uh Cetra. Uh although as with Marathi, some sort of twist would be cool to make him fit more with the mortal realms. Yeah, I think I think that's the common theme is obviously comparing the whole I guess it shows that the Marathi thing worked really well and we did that when we covered Daughters of Cain. So yeah, yeah I totally agree with that. Um mm, yeah, definitely. cool. Um next one, Cameron. Uh, Liam Exelby at Liam Exelby uh, says, "Hi, Miss Malekith. Come back, sweet prince. I agree. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, I'm pretty sure he, well, he is going to come back at some point as uh, well, well, yeah. as he, Mal- he, Malarian. He is, he is in AOS. We just haven't yeah. seen him yet. <laughs> no, we don't know what he's up to. <laughs> mm. uh, right, and the last one off Twitter is um, Salfron CQ at Salfron CQ. Um, some make more sense than others. A random name characters like I don't know Marius Leetdorf, I uh, should say dead, but the real legends make sense, as in Sigmar Marathi. Ariel and Gash, etc. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think again, if you if for people that answer depends. I think you know you can't bring them all back because that would be no. stupid. And it's just, yeah. I think you could cherry pick some characters just as a, just like they've did or they've done already. Again, Mar- oh, using yeah. Marathi as a perfect example. You know, she's one. She's no different to the other ones that we've spoken about. Mm. Um, yeah. It's just they obviously from a law and a model perspective, GW have chosen Marathi to come back, and obviously I'm sure they've got more. You know coming up as well as part of whenever we see the the shadow and light elves and such like um so no that's a fair point um we did have a couple of comments on discord as well i'll just quickly read those okay. out so yeah, we've got okay. um uh, it's um so amd4173 um he said uh, to be honest uh, to be honest i think i'd like more new heroes rather than old that aren't specific to like Shadespire, etc so yeah so i mean again that's a fair point because not everyone wants the old ones like you know keep them in the past and i can see for and against i suppose for us it's a bit of nostalgia isn't it really wanting some of these mm. older ones but i can but to me new characters are always good i, I mean look at the characters that came out with uh, malign portents for example those four ones they you know it was I think sometimes they do need to, you know, freshen up with new characters. Um, and also, uh, Drew off our Discord, he said, um, I don't think they should bring people back. Either do what they did with Marathi or just let them stay gone. Uh, to be honest, 40k should do what AOS did retire heroes, give them some rules like the legends from AOS, let new heroes have a shot. Um, mm. I, I'm, I think I must have asked him something else. And he said, I, I feel it was pretty conclusive with the end. I oh, see, I said, I asked him, do you feel with the the AOS law being quite loose, that they couldn't get away with it. And mm. he said, um, I feel it was pretty conclusive with the end of the world being a cut-off for almost everything. <laughs> um, aside from the elves and their shenanigans, I think we're not getting anyone back beyond chaos slash demons. If mm. slash when they do a human slash free guilds type release, I'd personally 
much rather see Toll, Captain Zenith, and any of the other new characters they've created for the realms. That's a fair point. Mm, yeah, get absolutely. get uh, get uh, Callus and Toll as characters. That'd be really yeah. cool. Yeah. So like so yeah yeah like bring bring characters back, but give new characters yeah. the spotlight and well, let yeah, Dante I, 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 die. Let Dante yeah. die. He deserves it. He's, yeah. He wants it so badly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Bloody Gilliman oh, keeping good. him around. Mm. Um, but no, you're, you're right. It, it, ultimately, I think I think there's a middle ground. I think you could have both. Like, it, realistically, most new heroes and characters that they release for going forward are going to be new characters. That's going to, mm. you know, going to yeah. be it. But there's no reason why every so often, again, like Marathi, just slip one in. It's like, oh. That's uh, so and you know so and so from the old world mm, yeah. and a new guys for you know for whatever reason you know you can do it on an you could do it on an eighty twenty rule you know just yeah, if they really yeah. wanted so so no it's interesting though it's interesting to see what people have to say on this because obviously you're getting a mix of opinions so yeah cool mm. that has been our discussion topic so we'll just wrap up the show the usual um so thank you very much for listening to this episode um if you have the time and would like to if you're able to go on itunes and give us a five-star review it's very much appreciated it gets you know more people listening to the show uh social media wise you can check us out mainly on twitter which is mm. uh, twitter.com slash realm and ruin or at realm and ruin uh we've also got a facebook which is facebook.com slash uh, realm and ruin um as like we always constantly mention we've got our discord server we've got yet more people joining us which is always great um we've got yep. like i said a great little community on there just get on there you know yeah, it's it's, it's worth it <laughs> just do it um if you were interested in ever guesting on this show um again please mm-hmm. contact us on any any of the social media there or you've got our website which is realm and slash contact again if you, we've got a few people lined up it won't probably be next year now because of yeah you know, we're getting towards <laughs> the end of this year now and we've got we've sort of got our episodes already laid out but like i said mm. if you ever would be interested please get in contact with the show um and as i said earlier uh, about our way of supporting us which is our coffee page so the link will be in the in the description but uh, like mm. i said it's it's coffee is in ko-fi.com slash realm and ruin again it's a way uh you can buy us a coffee um again it gives us a, f- a few pounds or dollars towards the show uh said some people already done that already and it's again it's greatly appreciated Mm. um and lastly where can people find you on the internet cameron you can find me on twitter at night underscore twin that's night without a k um i'm so tired it's nearly the end of the school term here in australia just (laughs) just just two more weeks just keep going mate to three more weeks and i can make it into pure i can sleep in past 7 30 in the morning Uh on any day i want instead of having to wake up before (laughs) seven most days um look it's rough going but i'm alive uh i also occasionally star on a different podcast at mon underscore d monster monster d monster if you like monster media um I think I'm yeah. going to be doing a recording after this, but I might go to bed instead. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> that that podcasting lifestyle. Oh yeah, <laughs> excellent. Glad to hear it. Um, you can How also find you? me on yeah. You can also find mm. me on Twitter at Ninja Badger Seven. Uh, I do bits and bobs on there. I must admit, I'm slacking <laughs> a bit, but it's mainly video game stuff related yeah. really if i ever post anything on there now um so You're yeah too dedicated to this show's twitter i yeah. am to be honest i, I <laughs> to be honest my twitter 
used to be all about my personal one, but I, I spend pretty much all my time on the Realm and Ruin one because that's where mm. the fun is to be had, kids. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope I hope you've enjoyed this episode. It's been great talking about orcs and everything else. Um, thank you, as always, for any support you give us, and we'll catch you on the mm. next show. Bye. Ta-da.